I'll go for a walk in the morning or on lunch or whatever. It's like, dude, I'm not going for a walk when it's 96 out. So no right. walks, no social media. That sucks. Just me and my mind. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> hence, woo, baby. Hence, hence Mo Thoughts. Yeah. Mo Thoughts. <laughs> that, is, uh, that can be a dangerous thing nah, for I'm that good. human I'm being. Doing, doing good. Well, good to hear it. Keeping up yeah. with your mental health. Yeah. Well, I was um, going to say, like, I guess before we get into that, like, I guess the social media thing, everyone still doing okay with that? Like, I think it's, what, three weeks now? Two weeks. What? It's only been two? <laughs> it's only oh, what, are, are you still <laughs> off of it, Adam, or what? Oh, yeah, I'm off. Oh, I've, nice. been off, I've been off for two weeks straight. And like I said, I think it's a little unfair for me now because I'm not in front of my phone a lot. I think when September rolls around, it might be a different story. But for now, yeah. I, I honestly haven't felt the urge. So it's kind of nice. Not going to lie. It's actually been – it's been nice just getting – like I go on the apps and get my news from like Apple News or Associated Press or I just search things like the old-fashioned way. I, I like it. I don't know. So far, so far, so good. The yeah. only thing I've been out of the loop on is like stupid barstool banter. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, like when, that's the stuff I miss. But yeah, yeah like I when you um, when you texted that Trump video Friday, Ty, like I had no idea that was a thing. Yeah, I, I, th- that was the first I had heard of it. Right. And then and my, my dad filled me in about the big cat being a fucking puss about the whole thing. So yeah. like, I had no idea. I didn't even know. I didn't even realize it was because of a Trump interview. So like I was getting it out of order and I was like, I have no idea what's happening right now. We're <laughs> officially old people. Yeah. We're waiting, for right. the, we're waiting for the newspaper to come the next day. <laughs> it kind of feels nice though. as like being agree, the person man. on I the agree. outside. It's like, yeah. it's all, it's, uh, I thought I just said to myself, like in this case, ignorance is bliss and it's yeah. okay. Yeah, especially with all like the Portland shit and all the other stupid bullshit in the news. Like, I enjoy not hearing about that. Yeah, I agree. Right. Only if you choose to seek it out. Yeah. Do Do you ever do you ever hear about it or look at our text stream? Hey. But other than that, like it's it's pretty much like we're in the dark, dark ages. I'm gonna forget dark. to I'm gonna forget to bring this up because uh, I forgot to mention it to you last time. But uh, your boy officially got a COVID test. So you did? I've been, yeah, I've been through the fire. How was it? It really wasn't bad at all. Which um, one so did you it do? Was, it was, um, so I, uh, it was all following that um, weekend with Rich and his boys. Yeah. Like I remember I talked to you guys. I was like, oh, I feel like shit. I got the two day hangover. Well, that turned into like what felt like a three day hangover. And I'm like, oh, man. I still felt tired, still felt off like all week. It was just tired. Like one of the days I actually took a nap in the middle of the day. <laughs> which i've not, i haven't done in years yeah, yeah. i can see so that being like, a red flag for sure yeah so i was like what the fuck is going on like didn't have any other symptoms like kept taking my temp didn't have a fever no cough no you know no loss of smell or anything like that or taste but i was like you know what you know i'm, I'm seeing my dad in a couple of weeks i just you know was couldn't have been less socially distanced this past weekend let me just get a test so it was easy i fucking went online researched it there was a place 25 minutes away got an appointment went there signed in they like you guys don't do it in your cars down there no i mean you can i think they have drive-through testing but yeah this one i just walked in um they took my temperature took you know my uh vitals and then you know they opened up that little thing it's like this fucking long and just jabbed butthole just puckered just thinking about that jabbed into my brain um, and then fucking 20 minutes later, they got, they gave the results and it was nice. It was that quick. Was like, yeah, it was awesome. Does I call you or text you with it? No, I chilled for 20 minutes. They were like, really? hang out in this room and we'll tell you in, you know, a little bit. 
Yeah. Yeah. That was the same kind of test that Eric got was like, he found out almost instantly, like, you know, like 15 minutes after he got it. So yeah. What's all, what's all the news about like people stuck waiting like a week plus for test results. Is that a different type well, of test? Well, so the drive through tests, I mean, I wouldn't say they've been debunked, but they're just not as like those quick tests that you can find out like 15, 20 minutes, at least from what I've heard recently, they're not as like, they're, they're not coming back super accurate. Like they were, they were just comparing results and like some people would take that test and they were positive and then they would take another one and they're negative. And now like the one, like the, the tests that people seem to be taking more often are the ones that take multiple days to find out. But I mean, I haven't gotten tested, so I really don't know like exactly what's going on, but I just heard that those drive-throughs like, like CCRI Warwick has it. Um, yeah, CCRI they're Lincoln. everywhere now. Yeah. So they, they were saying that like those weren't coming back, you know, accurately, but you know, I, I don't know. Again, I that, may have it. Well, no, I mean, like, that's the thing. It, it's, it's one source. So I have no idea, but that's what I heard. But then again, I don't know enough about it, but I mean, Ty, like who else do you see other than Erica? Like, I mean, I, who else would you, other than like your, other than the, yeah. the boys weekend, I can't imagine that you guys are coming in contact with anybody on a consistent basis to worry too much about it. No, nope. I'm sure it's nice to have peace of mind though, just to know like, all right, I'm good. Like, and, and going forward, you know, like, all right, so now yeah. everything up to this point, I've been fine. Yep. Yep. Um, it was funny. So Kirk, uh, he had a live, a couple live shows this weekend up in Saco, Maine. Uh, he He's doing took, live shows. He took over a drive-in movie theater. Okay. Because they, tr- they tried to, they were supposed to do the Wilbur. Um, and so they still wanted to do something. So they were like, all right, what can we do like during COVID? And they did a drive-in movie theater. So people drove in you know, and all parked their cars and then they had, you know, the live show up on the big screen. Um, but in Maine, you had to, to get lodging, you had to show a negative test. Yeah. yeah. We, we were trying to book a trip to Portland and found that out this weekend. No shit. Yeah. yeah. L- luckily yep. we found that out before we showed up at the hotel. Right. And yeah, only yeah. certain States have to go and have to abide by that stuff. Like, like if you, if you're from New Hampshire, or from Vermont, and you just decided to go to Maine, it, it, it would be a non-issue. But because of certain states, I think I was telling Jared this, like, the, I guess, and I, I haven't looked at the numbers myself, but I guess the percentage of recent cases in Rhode Island is higher than that of Maine, which is total, you know, it's just ridiculous just because of population. It's ridiculous. It doesn't make any, it's ridiculous. It doesn't make any well, sense. Well, it makes perfect sense. There's no people up there. That's why they don't mind if people come from New Hampshire or Vermont. There's no gatherings in those states. Dude, but Rhode Island's super small. That's what I don't understand. And we've had a consistent track record of being pretty good. But like New York, you can you can go from New York into into Maine right now, and it's on it's part it's on that website I sent you, Jerry. Data's data, man. (laughs) I don't get it. But anyway, so yeah. So depending on where you're from, you can either just waltz into Maine, or you have to do the you have to have a negative test, or do a two week quarantine. Or any of the, so I, I wonder how many of the the Meta fans actually went through the other process of you know quarantining for two or quarantining yeah. I should say probably not but right you know. or just drive up for the night and then just drive back yeah probably speaking of uh, Minahan I uh, was I was thinking the other day like what my goals are for this podcast and I was like when you know when would I think that this is successful. And until we have conversations with our fans like this, then 
I think we still have a long so way to go. I have a crisis of conscience going on over here. I love you, Kirk, and I also love Hood Ice Cream Fenway Fudge, and I need permission to eat that ice cream that is associated with the Red Sox. Ooh, do you, where, are you in your house right now? I am in my house right now. Okay, do you have any ice cream there? I do have some of the ice okay, cream. Okay, open it right now. Put it in your fucking mouth uh-huh. and beg for forgiveness. Come <laughs> <laughs> on, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, this... my, my three-year-old and ten-month-old are up here. Make them watch. Good. Put it in their Make fucking. Them watch. Put it in their fucking mouths too. What do I care? Way to learn loyalty from their old man. They're gonna fucking learn to two-faced rat fucks too. The kids need to learn what justice looks like. You have the ice cream. I have the ice cream. I'm okay. opening it. Opening it right now. I want a big, okay, fu- big, big fucking spoonful. Put it in that fucking mouth of yours right now and, be- and beg me and beg me if you can have more of it. Go ahead, go. Now more! Put more in your fucking mouth! Yeah. <laughs> and shut those fucking brass up, too! I'm the more ice cream, Kurt. More! More! Get on your knees! <laughs> Please, Eric, I have some more ice cream. More! Oh, so good. <laughs> Put it on your body! Put it on your body! Now snort like a pig. I'm smearing it all over my face. <laughs> oh, that chocolate is so good. Oh, my fucking God. Please, Kirk, can I eat more of this ice cream? <laughs> no, you may not. <laughs> Dude, so if we get there, then I know lies. we're successful. I guess, yeah. If we get there, we know we're on at least on the right track. Get on your knees! <laughs> oh, my fucking God. Was that, that blind, hysterical. was that blind Mike that tried to come in at the end? Yeah. He's oh, just, he's just like, Mike, just leave it to the expert. Oh, my, yeah, like, just shut the fuck up. You have the comedic Mike. timing of a fucking blind man reading Braille. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, oh, he's hey, blind. He's <laughs> fucking blind. <laughs> I was like, when you said, like, I don't think he realized what he just said. <laughs> no, I didn't. But it was still funny. Uh, oh, my cheeks. We need need an update. Our, I'm sure our listeners are, you know, waiting. Dozens of them. Waiting to hear if Jared followed through on his promise. So I'll get into it in most thoughts at the end. That's part of it. So that's a no. Okay. okay. All right. We can wait for that. Um, pins and needles. Yeah. So, all right. I mean, fuck. Well, I was getting all built up for that. I was excited to hear. No, I want to get into that in most thoughts. Go blue balls. When um, when uh, do we want to do? I've got a, a we've got a pretty good rundown of shit. Do, you, do we want to kind of do that to close it out? I think most yeah, thoughts I, is I a good. Yeah, I at the end. Yeah, I think most thoughts is a good way to close. You know, whenever we decide to do most thoughts, I would say that that's a good one to say for the end in general. So I'm sure by the time Jared's done talking about whatever it is, that we're not going to want to delve too deep into anything else after that. Um, I thought you know biggest takeaways looking on social media reaction from the show last week was Smeagol. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> I forgot. I was kind of hoping that wouldn't come up, but yeah. That might be a mainstay. I mean, I don't know. It kind of hurts to talk like that for a long time. It's weird. I don't. I don't. I can't really describe what I have to do to get get into my voice there. But it's like it's like you know, it's like when people would play the Joker and they get too 
involved in the character. <laughs> You're just worried about losing. I'm just going to become, I'm going to start having self. like, I'm going to, you know, it's like the frames from like two towers when you see like Gollum and Smeagol talking, that's going to be me. I'm going to be like looking one way and talking and then looking the that's other way. That's what you way. do on your lunch break at the fucking uh, salt mines. Yeah. I'm upstairs by myself just having a little combo with, uh, with Smeagol. The mines of lumber. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I just, I'm still fucking blown away at how accurate it was. Like how Can we get a sound bite? I, I didn't cut that off. Uh, no. I, well, I thought I, for I, I was, sure that was going to be a, a, uh, like a, a thumbtack. Put it on know, the soundboard. I was going to say, like on the soundboard, well, just ready to be used. I'm shocked. I, I was going to, and I certainly can, but I was like, I have a, a live soundboard in front of me. If I ask Adam to say something in that voice, he will. So, so they call me the human soundboard. Yeah. Yeah, we was, can. Uh, yeah, good. well, like Jared said, it's probably the best thing I do. Ever did I say that last time? Well, Thanks I said I was skill? like I was like it's it's I said it's one of my best skills, and Jared's like I think it might be your best. Either like, that maybe. or the volumes of food you can shovel into your face; those are both just unprecedented. And your I'm metabolism, a, your metabolism a, is a gift from the gods. It's bullshit, is what it is. Bullshit. All right, so I guess this is a good time to bring it up. You guys want to know how much weight I've lost since I've since I've started working? Coventry lumber. Yeah, I've lost eight pounds. I wow. believe it. Yeah, wow. I'm not you eating mean, as much. I don't. And, I don't eat nearly as much anymore. And you're nonstop moving and sweating all day. Yeah, but like I, I, look, I totally well, believe it. Yeah, that's the that's the that's the idea, Jared. If I'm talking about losing weight at work, he is moving and sweating. I'm moving and sweating a lot, but yeah. So like, I'm not thrilled about it. I don't really want to lose weight, but I did. So you might. I don't know if that pisses anybody off or not. Nah. Okay. Good. <laughs> I don't know. So, like, if I were to bring that up to a certain person, be like, "Fuck you!" Like, you're losing yeah, weight. Yeah. Go, go, go tell Eric his reaction. Yeah, he he would not. No, that that's not a conversation I want to have. I, I would love to see Eric in the in the lumber mines for a day or two. He would have I mean, a higher chance of killing a contractor than finishing <laughs> yeah. the summer. I would worry. I would worry about it because it gets kind of tense. Not not tense. But like, there's a lot going on, and I'm running around like a crazy person, and then I finally angry, look at my watch. tired. All right, yeah. all right. Kind of so, used to it now, but that, that was my. So I said my key takeaway was Smeagol, right? Um, I'm, we're we're gonna bring on a, a caller here. Um, caller, are you with us? Can you hear me? Hello. Hey, so you know, I'm just interested in getting a listener's feedback on the program. It's something that I think we Chris. haven't. I think we haven't had, uh, you know, this, this entire time. So it's good to, you know, kind of check us, make sure we're in oh, line. Sure. So thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, of first course. Time, first time call a long time listener here. Oh, good. Good, good. See, we do have listeners, Jared. We I do. knew it. Um, dozens, dozens of them. They so, all may share the same last name. <laughs> I, uh, I, I just want to get this particular caller's opinion, just in general terms, what their biggest takeaways are from the, from the program, if you would call her. Of course, yeah. You know, you guys are doing a great job on the air over there. I like listening to you in the mornings. But uh, hey, uh, all I had to say was that it seems like Adam's always got the mic. Uh, Adam, what are you thinking about letting the other guys talk? Ooh, <laughs> spicy! I like it. Sounds like that was a plug from one of the other uh, hosts. But I don't know. I don't think I talk as much as everyone else. No, do I? I don't know. I, I honestly oh, ask never the, ask the listener. I don't listen. Like after we do the show, like I think I listen to the recordings 
Yeah, like, you don't listen. The all first... you do is talk. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. I don't listen to the recordings after, uh, so I guess I don't really know as that I'm talking as much. But well, caller, has it has it affected the listening more to say. experience? <clears throat> One more time. Has it affected your listening experience? The sheer volume of Adam talking. Yeah, you know, it's like a like a human dictionary trying to talk over there. It's tough to uh, tough to take in all the information sometimes. Why don't you slow it down? Uh, Adam, I don't thoughts? know. See, I, I can't I can't say if that's like legitimate. I don't know. I, I you know what I'll do when I get this recording or actually I'll, I'll even go back an episode. I'll, I'll go back to last week's episode. Here he goes. Call around one and I'll rants. see if that's the problem because I don't know. I have no idea. Again, I feel like this is a plug from from uh, one of the other people I'm looking at here, but it could just be a theory of mine. I don't know. You think we're making it up? No, I don't think you're making it up. I think it just might be coming from someone else. I think I've, I think we heard this actually, you know what is funny when we did the first ever recording when Paquette was doing the whole thing, I think I, you guys made the same comment. So that's what made me think of it. Sounds like a pattern to me. Our mystery caller <laughs> who uh, is who also happens to have a Canadian thing. accent right no, now. Mis- is our mystery, mystery caller, caller in Canada? Mystery caller, before we before we let you go here, I also want your opinion. Um, I, I I want to know. So it, I know you're a frequent listener to the program, and that you know last week we challenged uh, Jared or Mo, as he's known on the podcast, that he needed to get a date solidified before today's show. He has not revealed whether that was the case or not. What are your thoughts? The date for what? A date with a woman. <laughs> oh, a date. We talked. We talked about um, online dating apps. My newfound and, hinge not being blacklisted. And we challenged him to get a date and go on a date with a real woman before. Wow, not a fake one. He did it. Not a fake one. Or one that's disguised as one. Yeah. True. Transgender, good point. If she identifies as a woman, that, that counts. counts. Put it on the board. So you're saying yes. So did you have any? Did you have any? Um, any talks or what's going on? We're just striking out. What me? Yes, you. Yeah. Yes, you, idiot. Jared. Oh, I thought we were going to talk about it. In He's asking you. Thoughts. He's asking you. All right. Well, the caller, he, he's, he's being a little, you got you got you got to get he, to the most thoughts to, to wait. Hey, don't yeah. worry guys. I'll make sure to call in next week and get an update for you. All right, pal. Thanks <laughs> for listening. All right. Thanks guys. All right. Goodbye. See you caller. Um, all Later. right. So we, we, we actually, uh, this is crazy here. Got a second caller. <laughs> um, call, uh, we have, we have her on the line right now. Uh, can you hear us? Mystery caller. Yes, I can hear you. All right, so Hi, I'm going to ask the same question. Uh, we, just, we just had another caller uh, drop off, and, and we got their uh, thoughts, opinions on this. So just in general terms, uh, if you're a listener of this show, which I presume you are, key, key takeaways from the first, say, five, six episodes, what, what are your main takeaways? Okay, well, first, appreciate you taking my call. You know, long-time listener, first-time caller, really excited to be on. script. Um, I have to be honest. I really enjoy the content. I think it's getting better every single week, but Adam talks a lot. Wow. (laughs) 
Interesting. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Does it, does it affect your listening experience? Like you may have told me privately. Yes. Well, I mean, last week I was sitting on a plane when I was listening to the show and it felt like Adam was right next to me, just talking to me. It wouldn't leave me alone. <laughs> that's not, Isn't that that's kind of the feeling. experience you're looking for mystery caller? Like, like we, like, it's like, it's like you're having a con like we're all just in a living room, just chilling out, just having a conversation. Isn't that kind of what you were looking for as a, for the, you know, the listener experience? Well, Adam, I would prefer if you spoke to me only in the Smeagol voice for this call. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! But, <laughs> no, did, did you? But, what were you, what were your thoughts about my voice? Did you think it was? I mean, I, I don't. I think Ty made you watch Lord of the Rings at some point, so I'm sure you you have a little background with the Smeagol voice. Yeah, it was insane. I'm telling you, I was listening. I was on the plane and I was laughing out loud. It was so. Bad. But back to my original feedback, I think on the opposite end of the spectrum, Jared is very quiet. I almost never hear him. Sometimes some people go on these long monologues and maybe something to get a word in. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a pattern, speech. my friend. Mm. Sounds like we got ourselves a pattern we need to address here. Interesting. Well, I'm not changing. I'm going to keep talking. So, Jared, talk up. <laughs> That's going to be great for the viewers. We appreciate your, uh, your feedback and listenership. Okay, thanks, guys. Thanks, caller. Bye, Peace. mystery caller. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Anyone else? Interesting. I, uh, so I, Again, I, listened, I, I listened to the full show last week, had similar thoughts, so I decided to actually count the number of minutes we all spoke. <laughs> um, and so I've got it written down here. Um, Let's hear it. Now, now so I'm very we curious. Were, we, were, we did it for, it was just, just over an hour 45. Um, so we'll, we'll start with Jared and I. Jared was the lowest on the totem pole with talk time. Really? Yep, with uh, 27 and 32 seconds. So, Jared, you only talked for a half hour out of the okay. hour, 45-minute show. Um, next was myself at 38.20. And then Adam came in at a whopping... One hour and twenty seven <laughs> minutes. I don't know. I don't know if that makes any sense. I don't know. Well, think about it. We're all kind of talking over each other sometimes. So, so does that is that factored in? Yeah, the talking overing. Yeah, part? that's why it, it adds up to more than an hour and forty five. But you what? Like talked eight times more than Jared. That's a lot. Sounds like a Jared problem. I don't know. I feel like I'm just talking. I don't know. I have no idea. You guys have thought about this much more than I have, I guess. But Well, I, on Zoom, so I, I, I didn't tell you this, but I set a limit in the beginning. So I'm able to set limits on talk time. And per so person? I, yeah, I set Adam's limit to 40 minutes. So we'll see how that holds up. So economy, of, economy of words. Does it say how long I've talked so far? Yeah, hold on. It's crazy tracks that. Eight, eight of, minutes, 20. All right. And we've been talking for like, what, half hour minutes. almost? Just under half hour. Yeah, 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Okay. So you got a half hour left, so just keep that in mind. Um, <laughs> all right, whatever. All right. So uh, what do you guys think about going into the Barstool Trump stuff? Yeah, we can start with that. You want to go there? 
I coincidentally um, listened to uh, part of KFC radio today just because I'm like so not into part of my take right now. Um, and that was like the main theme of the topic. Yeah. Yeah. Main um, theme of the episode. I, I actually, I actually listened to that um, before uh, we came on too. Um, so I'm going to set it up because obviously, so, you know, for all our listeners, David Portnoy had uh, a sit down interview one-on-one with uh, president Donald Trump. Uh, and as you can imagine, got a lot of criticism, uh, particularly from the employees of Barstool, uh, and particularly from, I mean, I guess you would consider him his right-hand man, uh, Big, Cat, Big Cat, Dan Katz. Um, and so I'm, I'm just going to play. So he reacted to it on uh, his daily show, The Yak, on Barstool Radio yesterday, which is where, Adam, I think your dad heard the rant. Um, mm-hmm. and so I've got it cut up into a bunch of clips here. Um, and so I'm going to start it off with, uh, the top here. Um, so this is Dan Katz. So Dave found out that he had the opportunity to interview the president on Wednesday. He talked to Erica. He talked to Churning Group. He talked to Jay. He didn't talk to me. Who's Jay? He just... Blatantly uh, said, from, I do Jay not. From, I'm assuming Penn National. Yeah, it's Penn. Okay. Not care what Dan thinks about this, and I might not have been. I, I, you know, if we had sat down and actually talked about it, I might have landed on. You know what? You got to go do the interview. But I never had that opportunity, and it leaves me now in a spot where I have to ask myself: Does Dave Portnoy care about what I think? Does Eric Nardini care about what I think? Does Jay Snowden care about what I think? Am I a partner in this or not? Am I building something with them or not? Because it seems like this is a big decision. Again, it's a, it, it's, it's, you get offered like something like this. It's very hard to turn it down. I completely understand that, but it's a big decision to make that, to make that push over the line of we are now in the political world because you can't pretend now you can't pretend you can't say we don't do politics. When you interview the president in an election year, four months before an election, you can't then say we don't do politics and we're stay straight down the middle. It's impossible. That that has that ship sails. And if that's what we want to do, that's okay. But I need to know because I thought I was a partner and I thought my opinion mattered. So that was the first clip. And I, I what I'll start off by saying with is that that clip right there is probably the one part of his rant that I actually stand with him on that if he was in fact told in that meeting by Dave, by Erica, by Penn, whoever, like you are a partner in this, you are a part of big decisions we make, et cetera, et cetera. I think for Dave not to just say, give Dan at least a heads up is, you know, not fucked up. It's just, I can see where Dan would be like, what the fuck, dude? Like, this is a huge decision. Like, I thought we were partners in this. Like, you know, you consult with me before I see it on Twitter. I I think his outrage is nothing but being driven by his ego. I don't think he actually cares if Barstool's talking about politics or not talking about politics. And I honestly don't think it's that big a deal at all that he went and met with Trump. I think he's doesn't like that it hurts his ego because they didn't talk to him about it. Um, I just threw my pen. Sorry. 
And um, I, I think that he doesn't like that he's not now being projected as like part of the leadership team. And honestly, if I was Portnoy, I wouldn't feel like I needed to tell him like, Puscat, you're not one of the founders of Barstool. You're not an executive. You're not the CEO. You're not the head of any of anything. Like, you don't need to approve your boss's decisions. That's not well, how companies work. I, think I, I don't, he I don't think he was asking to approve it. I think he just wanted a heads up. And I kind of side, like, kind of what Ty said. I, I agree. I think he probably should have been told because, you know, whether we, whether we, whether people think it or not, and I think he says it in his interview too, you think of Dave and you think of Big Cat when you think of Barstool. So, uh, yeah, he's not so a founder. I, I also I thought that he, part was kind of fucked up. It, it, I mean, like, it, if I were KFC, I would have been like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? Yeah. I mean, I guess from my perspective, I think of Big Cat in that. I, right, because we in listen order. to PMT. Sure, and I never yeah. listened to KFC. So it was, that was a little, and I agree with what Jared's saying. Definitely an ego thing. He, he, he I was agree. scarred. I agree. But, but I, I think I do that's think like that, almost okay that it, it's an ego thing to where he was, he, you know, in his mind, he was told one thing and then actions say another. And what I enjoy, uh, albeit only for 10 minutes out of the God knows how many hours we listen to Dan Katz, he's speaking about his true feelings. Agreed. Good so point. I don't have to agree with him. Like, I'm just happy that he was compelled to talk about it. And I think it makes him look like a whiny little bitch. It, it does. So it that's does. just, if this is the authentic Dan Katz, then like happy, go lucky, jolly big cat is not, who he is at all he's a whiny sensitive sensitive little fucking manager in a company you know what i mean so where i where i get into you know the the issues right off the top and and, and this is actually the first cut uh this is what, where he opened up with uh this is where i really start to disagree with him that's just stating a fact from my perspective like i i i watched the video so i watched it twice this morning there were no hard questions. There were no, you know, follow-ups. If you're going to go interview the president, you have to have that ready to go. You can't let it become uh, a political act. I, I couldn't disagree more with what he's saying there. Which part? Not, the, the, there was no the, hard the questions? The second part. The second okay, part, I, right? I agree, I agree with be, you. Because I, I disagree that there needs to be any hard questions. This, this, it doesn't have to be a journalistic interview. Dave Portnoy is not a fucking journalist. And it doesn't need to be an interrogation. You know no, what I mean? I, but that's my point, right? Is yeah, that I'm agreeing with you. You can go there and have an interview with the President of the United States and not have a political-driven agenda yeah. with the and, interview. And do you remember what my immediate reaction to the video was? What I said to you guys? Yeah, which is why everybody's so pissed about it. It said this is, the, the, this is the first time I've ever seen an interview of Trump where he's been a likable human. And I think it's directly correlated because it wasn't an interview done with a political agenda. And it that's wasn't, why let's everyone make at Barstool, including Dan, is pissed about it. But I also, it wasn't also a puff piece. Of that they say throw, that they would say no, it was. A puff piece is him going on Sean Hannity and asking the questions that he wants. I think that was a, when you're looking at Barstool going to interview the president in Portnoy, Nobody in their right mind thinks this is really going to get to the bottom of some serious right. I'm gonna, economic I'm going to get the policy. questions answered, right? That they think we've this been is going to be entertaining and goofy, and it's going to be on brand. And, and I thought that's yeah. exactly what it was. The, the interview, the FaceTime at the end, and all that. 
The interview was conducted exactly how, how I would have expected a barstool employee to conduct an interview. And, and how I, think, I would have wanted it, I feel like. Right. And I think, and like, I think Ty, Ty said it, like we get so used to thinking like, oh, well, there's an interview with the president. It needs to be like interrogation, hard-hitting questions. I mean, he asked some questions and obviously would, would have warranted more of, an, an answer, more of an answer than I agree. That's what, Trump yeah. actually he, gave. But obviously Trump did his political shit and like sidestepped it like every politician does. But I, I, I think that it was done as Barstool would have wanted it to be done. Yeah. I almost think the way he conducted the interview made it not a foray into politics if he would have gone there and brought up Trayvon Martin, not Trayvon Martin, um, what's the dude from Minnesota? George Floyd. George, George Floyd. Floyd. If he would have brought up George Floyd and this and the reaction and made it a hit piece, I think then you are stepping into politics because you picked a side. Right, because what Big Cat finishes, is that, uh, finishes that cut with is he's like, you know, you, you can't go into an interview with the president and not have those kind of questions prepared. You can't make it a political act. To your point, would it not be making it a political act if you went in there asking questions about policy issues, about social justice, yep. et cetera? It, yeah. would be, it would be a political act. What Dave did, in my, my personal opinion, was very apolitical. But I feel the same way. I think everyone's issue is, yeah, but apolitical, you, you can't do that with Trump. It, it, he's too evil. You can't be apolitical with Hitler. That, that's why people, I think, ultimately are so upset is because the only way they'd accept an interview with Donald Trump is if you try and torch him. And I think another thing, too, that Big Cat, I was a little, little disappointed about was when he was talking about how obviously Barstool's shtick is not politics. And that's okay, because I think they're better off doing other things to focus on. But I don't, it doesn't mean that you can't jump into the political pool every now and then. You guys remember the Arian Foster interview, right? Yeah. How was that not political? It was 100%. <laughs> How was that not political? And of course, and you guys, I think you heard the interview. It was literally Arian Foster just went off for like 45 minutes. And then all they did was just go, oh, yeah, totally agree. Totally yeah. agree. No, because right, all was that they were doing politics was. Or was it about a social issue for human rights? I think social issues have become, unfortunately, that's become political. I, I yeah, do think. it's become politicized. It definitely has. But I agree, Ty. It, Dan it, can it still argue with you be, that it's different. It, it is obviously it's Arian Foster is not on the same level as Donald Trump. I get that. But Barstool has done political interviews in the past. They haven't interviewed right. and a here, president. And, here, and, and here's they've my done issue, political right? interviews. And, and they should be able to, Dan should be able to be okay with colleagues of his jumping in and out of politics and not feeling like everyone has to address it because, you know, this is another one of him. I don't want to talk about politics. I'm thrust in this situation where I have to because if I don't say anything... But what is he doing in this interview? I'm thrust in this... What? But what is he doing in this entire interview making a point to talk about politics? Yeah. ...situation where I have to because if I don't say anything... Sorry, go ahead. If I say something, it's political. No matter what, I now have to talk about politics. That's the thing that we've just done. We've crossed that line where you have to... You, we can't pretend that we don't talk about politics. What? What would happen if Dan just didn't say anything? Why would that be political? It, he, he's like being almost like con, not. Who's he worried about? Twitter? The, the, the Twitter mob. I I really that's do I mean. think he's worried yeah. about that. Yeah, he really. I think is. that's why he wouldn't want it. What wouldn't want Fortnite to go on was because he doesn't want the negative reaction by the Twitter mob. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, and I think that 
that drives a lot of the decisions that other not, you know, people not named Portnoy and Barstool do. I mean, like when the whole George Floyd thing went down, the Black Lives Matter thing started, like we talked about chicks in the office were just posting random links, never really discussed it. Did, did the black screen and everyone is almost like they did that again to appease the mob to be like, Hey guys, look, I'm on this side. I feel like big cat is so worried about it. And it's just weird because he, he has some crude humor every now and then. And it's funny. He is a funny guy, but he is, this really did show, like I agree with Jared. It showed really his true colors that he truly is. He's sensitive and he really does care what people think about him. Which is totally fine. Which is it's fine. Just, we've never but, but seen that from Dan right, before. But 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 the whole thing is like his shtick, at least the the one he showed. Kind of an like, I don't I, give a I fuck attitude. I don't give a fuck, which is okay. Like he's just like everybody else. Yeah. And and, but, and that, that's all it is, and that's okay. But he, again, his ego was hurt, and I think it stems from there. And and all everything that we're talking about in terms of his reaction stems from that in some way. But also to appease the people that could cancel him or say bad things. I don't know. Something along those lines. He's clearly sensitive and wants to appease the mob. Thought that what we do is laugh and we don't get into politics. And we don't get into politics and we don't get into politics. In fact, two months ago, you know, someone reached out to to PFT and I to to possibly interview Joe Biden. We said no. I said no. I said I'm not going to do it. I do not get into politics. People come to, to, to listen to me for an escape from the real world. I'm here to make them laugh. I don't want to be serious. That's just what I want to provide for my audience. And that's what Barstool should provide to our audience. Uh, again, I, I like they missed a great opportunity by saying no to that interview. That oh, would be Biden. Yeah, that would be a great listen to hear especially because just in the same way that Trump is an idiot, right? We, we joke about Biden being an idiot. Like how funny would it have been, you know, to have PMT and big cat interview Joe Biden? Yeah. It's, it's the same behavior you see with bigger media companies happening in a small scale with big cat of him caring more about protecting his personal bottom line and his brand and PMT's brand than about saying the right thing and being open-minded, et cetera. It's not about corporate advertisers driving his behavior, but he's saying, you know what? The risk is not worth it to me because if or, I get canceled, if I get the backlash, that's going to hurt my career and my livelihood. Or he just really and truly hates politics and doesn't want to talk about it, which is okay, but that doesn't mean that, you know, uh, he's talking as if you can't possibly have an interview with uh, a politician and make it funny. You want to make people yeah, laugh, we, we, Dan, bring Joe Biden on and goof around with him and don't make a like political would, interview. I feel like that would be a strength of his to, to make an interview like that funny. I think he could do they it. He could totally disarm any politician and just make it a relaxed, you know, yeah. just, hey, it's bullshit about sports. It's bullshit about social media. You know, it's bullshit about this. I don't, I'm not going to ask you what your thoughts are, what your opinions are on political issues. You know, it's a chance to see someone like Joe Biden outside of, the robotic fucking person he is and every politician is when they're uh, on camera yeah. that's what they do even athletes it's like a peek behind Pissed the dogs, baby so i, I just think it, it's okay if that's how he feels uh you know again i, I agree that he probably should have been at, uh, not asked but 
it at least should have been brought up to him by Dave as like a, Hey, I'm, I'm giving you a courtesy heads up here that I'm doing this. Um, but, I definitely think that would have been the right way to go about it. And he even says it at the end, he apologized and, and who knows, he could have just apologized just like, Hey, I, I, know, I, 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 I probably should and appease, appease him or whatever. But apparently he said they're good. I mean, I don't know. It, yeah. I, I'm fine. sure they're good. Cause I, He'll I, mean, be fine. I think Dan probably overreacted, but yeah, I mean, to, to, to try to pretend like you can't make politics funny is just not accurate to me. I, I don't or I think he's just like missing the ball. Like that could be another great piece, you know, to their personas, their characters in, bar, in yeah. the Barstool world. They don't I'd have see. to get into politics. They can stay the fuck away from every political aspect to a, to an interview with a politician. Did, and they can they, still make it a Barstool driven piece of content. Yeah. Did part of my take talk at all about when um, Portnoy get in trouble for those videos? No. See, dude, they, they just don't want the risk, man. No, they, they well, are, they're no. scared to go Dan, near a sensitive Dan subject. wrote the blog and said, I'm not, You're right. That's we're not what talking was. about it on Pardon My Take. So Because he's just a- like, oh, people just want an escape. I just want to make people laugh. It's like, dude, you're, but, then you're re- misreading your audience. Well, and that's completely the opposite of the um, Arian Foster interview. That's, that's two exactly. sides of one coin. That's two exactly. sides of the same coin. Now, what did Kevin to- say? If you listen to the podcast, Kevin said he, we, they talked about that exact thing. And they're like, oh, well, you know, with all the, the Black Lives Matter stuff and the George Floyd, yeah. you know, it's, it, it's something where, you know, it was literally all anyone was talking about. You know, it forces you to, to talk about it when it's the only thing to talk about. Yeah. Whereas they argue that politics aren't really ever that way. Yeah. I, I, did, I didn't love the interview. The, um, kfc episode but the one thing i did like is he was transparent about that he's like the reason if anything i had a problem with it is because of all the shit that just happened like you said and then to go on like trump's interview after trump has been the guy kind of spearheading all this racism what bigotry whatever you want to call it so like he's like i understand why that makes us look bad but he kind of left it at that he didn't say like Portnoy's politicizing this or anything like that. I, I just, just like with the, uh, the other, you know, stuff that Portnoy got in trouble for, I, it just makes me sad that like these guys don't publicly defend him in a way that I would, unless they're not really like super close friends, unless they're not very friendly. I don't know. I just like the way they portray themselves is as like a family and they just, they're too casual with the criticism of Dave, in my opinion. I get it though. I think it's very, it takes a lot of balls to defend somebody to that degree and put your career and livelihood on the line. Like did you, they may not work for um, Barstool forever. Well, how hard is it to say um, if you get offered an interview from the president, why you don't not accept that? And that's my thoughts. That's as far as I'm going to share my thoughts on it why you should not accept it no he he, if he just said of course dave should take an interview with the president if it's offered and leave it at that not give his personal thoughts on it not you know try to defend him why do you need to defend dave against who yeah people want to ask your your opinion on it just be like that's what i think yeah i think you take that opportunity was the Twitter mob going after all, going after the interview and no, after Barstool? These guys get fucking sensitive. They get DMs of people yeah. saying, hey, they're, man. You like, shouldn't read your Twitter comments. You get 10 million followers. There was right. even a guy that called into the KFC radio show and was like, 
man, you know, I just, uh, um, you know, this one really hurt, man. I'm like an older guy and I've been with Barcelona forever and I just had a pit in my stomach. It's just like, what, what Such fucking, a fucking pussy push, world are we yeah. in, dude? You can't interview a goddamn president without, yeah. you know, sickening people. We're in it's a pussy like, world, that's for sure. I mean, that, that, that could potentially be the first and last time a president even wants, like, obviously it's Donald Trump, but like anybody, any president ever in the rest of Barcelona's history that even wants to come on the show, it could be. Like, like how could you possibly pass that up? And uh, so the next thing I'm going to say is, and I didn't really notice it before, because again, why the fuck would I care? But everyone said, oh, well, Barcelona's done political stuff in the past. Barcelona's done political stuff in the past. And they would specifically say, oh, I wish P- uh, PFT did this interview because, like, he's a, like a, a guy that's into politics. And I was like, I don't remember seeing anything that at least I can remember on politics. And so there was, there I was did one. some research. Sure enough, he interviewed half of the candidates running for the Democratic primary in 2019. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. He, yeah, he, he PFT. PFT. Yeah. Separate from part of my take? Yes. He's a big really? political history junkie. He, I, I mean, didn't know he, that. Yeah, he definitely has done that before, which, again, we don't do politics. We don't talk about politics. You guys, you guys have an Instagram he, page that's devoted to politics. Like, yeah, it's full, okay. You got, like, you guys do dip your foot in the pool every now and then. And that's okay. But he had Andrew Yang in, on an interview, which, again – I'm ad- I advocate for this shit because it was a really good More interview. More information is a better. Is it better. was a really good interview. And it's not even like necessarily information. Like they do treat it like it's a Barstool interview. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Yang was like, oh, oh, well, I, you know, I talked about this in one of my books. You know, I'll, my, I'll leave a copy for you. And PFC was like, yeah, I'm not a reader. And Andrew Yang was like, yeah, you know what? You don't really look like a reader. You know, they were just, <laughs> it, it was just them being normal people. So I advocate for that. But uh, P- uh, PFT and Big Cat are tied. They are like one with that podcast. And yeah. for you to know that, and, and uh, Big Cat's big thing, right, is it's during an election year. It's four months before the election when President Trump's not polling well. We're getting used. Okay, you're going to tell me that PFT wasn't being used or the, the plat- Barstool platform wasn't being used to influence people? on how they felt about those particular candidates. That's what's going to happen. Somebody's going to watch that and they're going to feel one way or the other. Those people are running in the Democratic primaries, right? Is that not influence? Is that not trying totally. to... Is it, the, the, we don't do politics another, is a load of bullshit. It's not yeah. true. He talked with Yang about universal basic income, foreign policy, the death penalty, like, you know, stuff that was heavier or at least as, as heavy as what Portnoy got into with Trump. And Big Cat, of course, doesn't mention that. But I I think... Says this. It it basically uh, affirms what I was thinking about. This is a fork in the road decision of, okay, are we going to go interview the president? Are we going to get into politics? Because that is a different thing than Barstool has ever done to that level. And you may say, okay, well, you know, Riggs has done political interviews, zero block 30... I get that. PFT's on political interviews. Dave doing a political interview is different than that because Dave has has always been about comedy first. And Barstool is, for better or worse, it is Dave and it's me. And when people think of Barstool, they think of two of us. So I 
basically am thrusting talking about politics, being asked about politics, and I had zero say in it. So he just flat out says it's only because it's Dave. Dave's not allowed to. Is PFT not considered just about comedy? Who the fuck thinks of PFT? We, just said, is... we didn't even fucking know we did political interviews. Yeah. He's just yeah. a fucking goofy guy. PFT is like comic relief on a comedy podcast. Like he's uber into comedy. Right. So that, yeah. That's first and foremost what that, he is. That particular clip was just so disingenuous because I fucking love Dan. I'll always be a fan of Dan's because I think he is like a, a really genuine person. But like that, that was just like, dude, you, you, you just made the most hypocritical fucking statement ever. I think the whole thing was disingenuous. Hearing that last comment, the only reason you go out and make noise about this and don't just have a talk with your quote unquote best friend and partner behind closed doors is to distance yourself from the situation. He wanted it to be as loud as loud could be that I did not support this, did not have any involvement in it. So if the Twitter mob comes, leave me alone. I think that's what he was Spare me. Yeah, spare me. Because that was not genuine at all. That was incredibly disingenuous, that whole interview. This I think, I think the, the last part of that soundbite tie was like, again, he mentioned, I wasn't in the loop. I didn't know. I, I really do. I think it, it comes back to that. I don't think he cares that as much as he's saying he does about interviewing the president. I think he really is like, I wasn't consulted. I was left out in the dark. That, that's where I think the majority of that is, is stemming from. Yeah, and, and closes it out with this uh, on his radio show. And that's where I'm at. So, um, yeah. So let's take a break. We're going to take a, a two minute break and then we'll come back and we'll try to try to do something different and, and get back to the regular show. But that's something I had to say. That's something I, <laughs> let's just get back to the regular show. This isn't entertaining either. What, what show like, is this interview I, I, on? It, it's the, it's the uh, yak. The, the yak. yak is what he morning, has a radio morning show? Yak or, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I didn't yeah, even he, know that. He's on, it's like Sirius or XM. It's, it's him the, and a bunch of other people. Yeah. Okay. It's every day. I'm pretty sure it's every, every morning. And, and again, I get that he's clear about not wanting to talk about it. But dude, what is more fucking compelling? We talk about it all the time. What is more fucking compelling than talking about your actual feelings as it relates to something everyone knows about? You know something I mean? and having a real fucking con- yeah conversation takes balls man it's, he's just it's like, easy nope, to talk about nope, talking i don't fucking yeah. want i don't want any balls. part of it i don't want controversy at all and it's just like all right man well that's fine but like that's really too bad because i think you'd be yeah. good at talking about it even I, the kfc episode today like dude it was literally i listened to it, maybe like 30, too, 35 minutes of it it was 35 minutes of that's him saying pussy. he doesn't want to talk about right, this right and, and literally, he talked about it. and he talked about it for 35 minutes. He non-stop. repeated himself, I think, 17 times. Zero substance. He didn't say anything in 35 minutes, but didn't stop talking at the same time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it I was kept fast forwarding, clicking 30, 30, 30 ahead. Yeah. And I, all I heard every time I clicked 30 was Kevin's fucking annoying voice. <laughs> so yeah, it, I don't think anyone else. It was talked. bad. It was bad. So I think yeah. to close it up, though, with this, my, my, at least my closing thought, I think it showed, like we said, Bart, Big Cat, he's just like us. And I think obviously that that's not like a crazy statement, but I think when they're on TV as not TV, but when they're on social media, as much as they are, they got their podcast, they're on Twitter. We, you tend to think like they're more than just regular people, but it turns out that KFC and big cat are just regular people and they react normally. Like most people do. And it reaffirms that Portnoy doesn't care, which is great, which is what makes him the, the guy that he is, and he yep. rolled with it. So it affirmed that with Portnoy, but it also yeah. was a, a look into the into the, the realization that, hey, Kevin and, and Dan are 
just like us. Like we, we get self-conscious. We think about what other people think, but Dave, the reason why Dave is, is as successful as he is and, and has been as successful as he is because of, he doesn't give a shit. Yeah. And he's just going to do what he thinks is like right. That. Yeah. It just, he, it's, a, it's that, not easy that's to what be defines, like that, dude. He defines barstool in every sense of it. He doesn't care. He wants to do it for the, for the, the brand. And I think it was a positive, it's going to have a positive impact going forward. Portnoy for president. Oh man! At this point, you, you get some votes. I might the vote for him at that point. Um, <laughs> hey, there's there's always the write-in. Well, so how do you think Portnoy would fare in a cognitive test? Oh boy! Do you think? Do you think? Well, I'm serious. Question: Do you think he'd be a, as cognitively able as Trump? That's hard to say, man. I mean, some of those questions are real. I didn't look twisters. at the questions. Were they as Dude. silly as people were talking about? Jared, do yourself a favor really quick and click on the link that Ty gave you. Hold You're on. Laugh your hold yeah, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. And it was 30 or 35 questions. The first questions are very easy. The last questions are much more difficult. Uh, like a memory question. It's uh, like you'll go person, woman, man, camera tv so they say could you repeat that so i said yeah so it's person woman man camera tv okay that's very good if you get it in order you get extra points if you <laughs> I, did, I haven't heard that before then when you go back about 20 25 minutes later and they say go back to that question they don't tell you this go back to that question and repeat them can you do it and you go Person, woman, man, <laughs> camera, TV. They say, that's amazing. How did you do that? Oh, my God. I'm sure the cognitive behavioral therapists say that's amazing. Dude, I would wear a shirt that says person, woman, man, <laughs> camera, Dude, TV. Dude, what was that from? I haven't heard that before. That, that could be our first swag. That could be yes! it right there. That could be our first sweat. We can start making t-shirts. That's the, what is it again? I already forgot. I guess I wouldn't pass. <laughs> <laughs> guess, guess, Just guess. Person, camera. Nope. Wow. Uh, Holy well, shit, dude. I, w- I guess I wouldn't pass. Trump you wouldn't get the bonus you. points at least. I, I wouldn't get the order. bonus. I would still get some points, partial credit, but that would be an hysterical, like great inside joke that like some people would get and the ones that get it would think it's hysterical. I think that'd be an awesome idea. Here's uh. Here's the orange man talking about why, why he took the mental acuity test. The office of the presidency, we have to be sure. So they were saying all these different things. It was going all over. Whichever stuck, none of it stuck, fortunately. But one of the reasons it didn't is that I took a test. I said to the doctor, who was Dr. Ronnie Jackson, I said, is there some kind of a test, an acuity test? And he said there actually is, and he named it, whatever it might be. <laughs> Whatever it might be, I don't remember the name, but <laughs> I did pass the memory test exquisitely. Um, and then he, he ends by talking about uh, Biden, which is funny. Now, Joe should take that test because something's going on. And, and I say this with respect. I mean, it's going to probably happen to all of us, right? You know, it's going to happen. But we can't take a chance of it happening. When you're dealing with Russia, when you and there's nobody been tougher to Russia than me, nobody been tougher to 
China than me, I can tell you right now, they would love to see Joe Biden instead of Trump. I don't think Biden could pass that test. Did, did you look uh, at the no. test yet, Jared? No, I couldn't find it in the message. It was in our group message. Yeah, it, there's a link. It's underneath the Trump sound that Ty just played. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm going to have Adam uh, take it. I was just looking at it. Yeah, here it is. Did you already take it, Adam? No, I just looked at the thing that Montreal Ty, that Cognitive Ty Assessment. All right. Some so, of these, I, got, I got to draw some of these things, don't I? Ready, ready. Hold on. No, we're just going to ask you a couple questions here. Um, so this will be similar to that question. You got to uh, repeat these back in order to me. Face, velvet, church, daisy, red. Face, velvet, church, daisy, red. Okay. But did, I get, did I get full credit for that? Extra points. <sighs> Extra points. Yes. Uh, what were the other good ones? <laughs> well, actually, you know, what was funny was I uh, was looking online and uh, I saw I came across like it says, you know, hey, these are the reasons why you would want to use a test like this. The MOCA, which is the Montreal, what, what was it, Jared? Montreal, Montreal Cognitive Assessment. Cognitive, yeah, Cognitive Assessment. Is a, is a, a the MOCA. The test is proven and useful cognitive screening tool for many illnesses, including Alzheimer's, <laughs> Parkinson's, <laughs> Huntington's. Uh, brain metastasis, ALS, brain tumors, MS, head trauma, schizophrenia, and like, <laughs> and I think so that they, this this shows just how scary he is because, I mean, anyone that any normal person that looks at that test is like, are you fucking kidding me? This is the actual test. He's bragging about multiple it. In, I mean, multiple interviews, dude. He, I heard he, it in he, a different he interview. Just, he just can't help himself. And can't wait to tell somebody that he got a 30 right. out of 30 on this Adam, test. This is part of the test, too. You got to recall. So what were those What were those words again in order? <laughs> Dude, I don't remember the words. That, that's what he <laughs> had to do. Remember he said? He said they'll talk to you 20 minutes later. I guess, I, I, guess minutes later. I guess I'm schizophrenic. You don't have You don't have one that you can remember. Uh, Daisy? Okay. That's, Dude, I, I, I was not in the test mode. I oh guess I could. I guess I God, couldn't be president. This guy's teaching our youth. Holy shit! I know. That's terrifying. Did, did you guys see that. the Chris Wallace I didn't prep. interview? I didn't have any time to prep the, for the test. Big test. Neither, neither did Trump. Ooh, I don't know. Um, you. Hold so on, that means on, they Jared. were giving him that test because they thought he had at, uh, nurses at uh, Walter Reed Hospital who would bend down and whisper in my ear. Wow. And go home with pillows. They would make sure they'd actually probably nothing ever taught in uh, you can't do it in the COVID time, but they'd actually breathe in my nostrils to make me move to get get me moving. <laughs> what was that? That was probably pretty recent, right? Dude, yeah, that was like the other corn day. pop was a uh, bad dude. <laughs> this guy, this guy would never, never pass an acuity test. No. No way. So, like, well, well, you I know, it's like, to be self-evident. All men and women created by go. You know the. You know the thing. <laughs> See, like, I'll hear a Trump quote or just a recording, and I'll think, "Oh man," like I, I really hope he doesn't. And then, and then I hear Biden quotes. Yeah. And it's like, oh my fucking god. He makes like, Trump sound like Shakespeare. <sighs> yeah. Scary. I just saw the what's interesting. Fifteen million dollars. To somebody from China. 
China. I am the least (laughs) anti-Semitic person that you've ever seen in your entire life. (laughs) The boldest statements. I love it. (laughs) What I was going to say. um, So he said they were trying to like have something stick on him. That means they were testing him for those mental disabilities and they thought he had (laughs) it. And he's like, I do not have it. Give me an acuity test. In fact, I got fucking extra points. I aced it. Yeah. Because did you guys see any of the Chris Wallace interview? That was a couple Sundays ago. They got like a ton of press. I heard he just about kept it. lying. I didn't watch it. Uh, I didn't so see there was it. one of the points where it came up, um, and he said, "Well, I just nailed this acuity test." And Chris Wallace goes, "Mr. President, to be frank, I did that acuity test, and it's very simple. It's like, what animals are these? Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, 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 no. Wait till you get to the last questions. I bet you you couldn't get those questions right. Like bragging that he's smarter than Christopher Wallace." That's part of why I'm also going to miss the man, too. Uh, hey, he's, he may still win, dude. He's turning around his attitude a little bit. Like, I wonder what happens to him. Does he stay in the spotlight when he – if he loses? You know what he I mean? Does he, well, he won't accept if he loses anyway. He'll blame so. it on voter fraud. So, we'll, we'll still have good Trump. Well, granted, I guess oh, yeah. Hil- Hillary never it never um, accepted the results of the last election either. So, this is becoming a trend now. So, he well, he just won't accept them if he loses. Any- well, she, she couldn't do shit because everybody knew it was obvious and she wasn't in the White House. What do you do? Do you actually take him out in handcuffs if he refuses to leave? <laughs> I, I, mean, I don't think he's going to barricade himself in, Jared, and fight to stay. I think, think if he if he wins, there. he'll and be like, he'll you know, bitch about it on Twitter. Yeah. If he wins, he'll be like, this is exactly where I want to be for the next four years. If he doesn't win, he's going to spin it. Obviously, like, oh, yeah. like in my life, like no matter what, in, in his mind, he's winning regardless. Yeah. So did you guys ever see that um, Netflix series about Trump? It was like a documentary series. Yeah, I think I watched that. So there was like one part that talks about after he got out of the limelight. So I think 80s, he got really famous with Trump Tower, opened Atlantic City built all those hotels, lost all of his money and went bankrupt. And to stay in the limelight, he was doing Burger King commercials in every talk show he could find like through the 90s until he got Celebrity Apprentice because he didn't want to disappear from the limelight. So if that's so we any, have our infl- answer. Yeah. Yeah, that's any yeah. inclination, we'll be seeing him on Burger King commercials soon. He's not going anywhere. And we could see Kanye in the White House, right? Ooh, good segue. Potentially. I'm getting good at my segues, man. That I'm doing good. everything on this show. I am fucking carrying out my back. I'm producing. Uh, I'm you hoping. love it. You, that's exactly how you want I, it. I was just going to say, you wouldn't want it any other way. I don't want to hear it. We've contributed just as many to the topics as you have. Yeah. I don't know about that. Can we get a time check? Yeah, can, yeah, what's the time check? Uh, Adam see. wants to know how much he can talk about his allowance. Well, I don't um, want to hurt anyone's feelings, so no, I'm you have sure I don't hurt anyone's just feelings. Just over 11 minutes left. That's not a lot. What happens? Will, does he just get muted after the 40 minutes? Wait, yeah. So what like are the I'll, other I'll time s- checks? What do you mean? Where are you guys at? We don't have time checks. We don't have a talking problem. So, yes, Jared, his thing will be muted, and I'll just l- see him. We're just trying to share the wealth to keep things entertaining. We all talk a little bit here and there. This is a yeah. communist think, country, Adam. I think I should get rewarded minutes if I stay under. Like next week, I can get like forty-two minutes. Bonus yeah, points. That's fine. Bonus points. <laughs> that's fine. Or I just shouldn't have one at all because I think that's kind what, of so what, what. But anyway, ha- it's what fine. happens if you fine. go over though? Do we cut down even more severely? 
This is what ties me. I'm cutting you out of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Adam, you got 10 minutes, man. Well, next topic. Ooh, he's going to protest. All right. So that's economy of words. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I, uh, I did uh, cut up some sound, Jared, from the, uh, what's his name? Schultz. Andrew Schultz. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I cut up some sound from that podcast. So that's interesting. You're going to have to help me out in terms of its, uh, relevancy. Um, but, uh, let me, let me play it here. So why don't you set it up? Um, as far as what they were talking. Oh my God. Um, well, so it was about, he was going to, so Andrew Scholes has gotten really, really popular since COVID because he makes these kind of like daily show esque monologues on YouTube that are very politically incorrect, that keep getting taken down from Facebook from being unpopular opinions. He's a stand-up comic, hilarious, dirty, like not PC. Um, And he was talking about how they wanted to make one about Kanye, but he stopped because he had a couple of people who were friends that that knew Kanye. And he was like, hey, like, is this really mental illness? Is he doing this for publicity? And they're like, no. Um, What you're seeing in these glimpses of Kanye is what he's like 24-7. You just get these glimpses because this is when he's in front of the camera. Like he's a seriously mentally ill person, uh, so that's when they started talking about mental health. Okay, yeah. So um, the other guy in the show starts to bring up uh, this idea of like a manic high. Yeah, I don't. I don't really manic. Yeah. So do you want to explain that in your? Yeah. So so bipolar, also known as manic depressive disease. So your mind is either the utmost depressed you know, severe depression where you hate everything or incredibly manic. So bipolar, like the two extremes. So bipolar is literally like you're walking on clouds. You think you're invincible, untouchable, you're God's gift to this earth. But both of them are irrational. Like somebody who's in a manic episode, like they're those crazy people who just like love everything and like lose all sense of reality. So that's what he's talking about is like, are the manic episodes part of his success and like what's driving that? We have a friend who's bipolar. Ever see I saw him go through an episode a couple of times. By the second time, probably seven or eight years ago, one thing he said to me that stuck with me, but first I started seeing Kanye do similar shit of like a manic high. And I was like, oh, this seems very bipolar. And a lot of people scoffed at it at the time. And now it's, he's on a manic high. And what I remember, and Ganesh was like, no, he's not. And I was like, that's why I scoffed when he said bring him on. But what my friend said when he was going through a manic high is he goes, if you had just let me create uninterrupted, I'm telling you, I would have created brilliant shit. So kind of trying to say, I guess, like, you know, those are good moments that you need to let happen. So, I don't know if he's, he's tra- saying, saying that. I think that his bipolar friend is saying what I would compare it to, honestly, is being on drugs. So if you, when you are on drugs and you feel incredible and you think you can do anything in the world, that's a manic high. So what this guy is saying is when I'm feeling that way, he thinks you could just release him and say, all right, go write an album, write a poem, book, whatever. And he thinks he could do it because you're so dialed in and so like euphoric. Okay. And so then, then they get into kind of like medication that ends up dulling you. Yeah, which is what they give Some people, people say who are, that he goes off the meds when he wants to start creating music. Because, yeah, the meds just dull you. Yeah. And what a crazy thing that is that anytime you're happy, you start thinking, oh, fuck, am I having a manic high? 
Am I, am I doing this? Do See, I change my medication? We all think about taking drugs to fix something that doesn't feel good. Right. I feel depressed. Yep. This drug lifts me up. Yeah. We never look at feeling too good as a problem. Right. And that's what bipolar medication a lot of times does. Like right. if you're on lithium or something, it's just a move stabilizer. So it doesn't let you go too low, yeah. but it also doesn't let you go too high. But imagine feeling high to the point where you can... Some people say that they can actually like feel colors. Yeah. Right? Like imagine feeling that level of good and then taking a pill that's going to make you feel worse. Right. Nobody wants to take a drug that makes you feel worse. So I, when I was listening to it, I was having a tough time understanding what their, what their angle was, like how they really felt about the situation. Because correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like they're kind of saying like, we need to let these people be who they are and they sh you know, shouldn't be taking drugs to suppress them. No, I, I don't think they have an angle at all. I think they're being like, curious about it. I think their point is putting themselves in Kanye's shoes or anybody else who's bipolar. Would you want to take a medicine that's going to make you feel worse because you're on an unsustainable manic high knowing uh, deep depression is coming right after that? And well, I think the idea like, is that it's not deep depression. It's it just makes you feel like within the normal range. No, if if you don't take your medicine, I'm saying. So oh. the two options are you embrace that manic high knowing debilitating bedridden depression is coming after it, or you take the pill that keeps you in your control limits of a slightly healthy range of emotions. Of the needle moves a little bit. And I think they're saying like I could see if I am Kanye, why I'd think twice about wanting to take that medicine that's going to numb me when I create, and that's how I am successful. Yeah, I, I, if they're going to argue that that's you know it helps him create, uh, do you think? I mean, I've listened to Kanye's music. Do you think the first couple albums he came out with that sounded like he that was a fucking bipolar? manic depressive person sound pretty measured and normal to me he didn't start being sounding fucking whacked and crazy until what three four years ago yeah but i also think that he very well could have still been bipolar like, i don't know if about bipolar does it just come on have you do you have your whole life i'm not sure but i think he very well still could have been bipolar when he made that other music and that's why it's so fucking good like you've seen some of those interviews. It was a long time ago, too. Some of these interviews where he literally go on like Ellen or whatever and say, I'm Picasso. I see, I, yeah, I see sound and crazy shit like that. Like that was 10 years ago. I don't think it was. Yeah. Well, That's my thing. That, I don't that think was, it was. I don't think that it, was, it was when we were in high school. Ago. Maybe it was a little well bit after, after high but it was, not, it was not in the last three or four years when it's gotten bad, I guess is my point. Yeah. Hey, well, what are your guys' thoughts? If you were in his shoes and you were dealing, struggling with being bipolar, what would be your thoughts on being creative and wanting to embrace your identity and why everybody loves you and not take your meds or take your meds to live a sustainable lifestyle? I would hope I would realize that not everybody loves me because I'm bipolar. That's actually what everyone hates Kanye for. But I think he, I bet you he feels he can't make music when he's on meds. 
I think is the, is the point they're trying to make. Okay. I mean, maybe I'd, maybe I'd go off the meds when I'm making music. Yeah, and, that, and I, think, I, I could see myself doing that. And I think that's kind of where we're at now. Like, did you guys see his crazy tweets um, yeah. la- early last week about like him trying to get divorced from Kim and them trying to put him in a mental hospital? I think that's what he's done is he's gone off his meds when he's tried to be creative and make music and shit like that. And it's gone too far. I'm sure that's the case. What's their point? They're not trying to make a point if he's wrong or he's right. It's bringing up the discussion of everybody's talking about like Kanye as this crazy person. Have you thought about it from this angle of like why he's acting the way that he's acting? Okay, sure. Yeah. I don't think they're trying to say he should take his meds or shouldn't take his meds. I think more of just like a thought provoking question. That's the way I interpreted it. Did you watch the video? Uh, Yeah, I watched the video. I listened to the podcast too. It was like a 15 minute one. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's uh, in his field. It's all about being creativity and I like being creative. And I think um, what's the comedian's name? Uh, Andrew Scholes. Scholes. All right. So he used the example, like if you're like a UPS worker, if you work for UPS, like you're not really going to need to work off of feel and emotion. emotion. Yeah. But if you're someone in his position where it's all about creativity, it's all about how you feel. I mean, it's hard to justify taking something that takes away arguably his greatest trait. I think we can all agree on that, that the guy is the, the, the guy's music in the last 10, you know, I guess 10 years, maybe, maybe more probably more than that. Cause I didn't yeah. really catch on to Kanye until like the end of high school is awesome. Like his music is, is consistently awesome. And, and yeah, it's weird sometimes, but when you're weird that, is good with music, when, when you're that good at something, you're a little off. Yeah. Always like whether it be an athlete, whether it be a musician, whether it be someone in business that if you're super successful, not, not, not to say that you're not all there, but there's something that's hyperactive about you. Like there's something you have a little extra of something and clearly Kanye, there's something going on. And if you were in his position, would you want to curb that when trying to do the thing that you do best? And that's, that's make music. And so here's my thing is, and this is why I, I was kind of trying to stress like, Hey, what's their point. Right. Cause I think this whole discussion stems from people, of course, like everything else on Twitter saying, stop making fun of them. Stop making fun of them. Stop like laughing at this. This is really serious. He's mentally ill. Right. To some degree, yeah, there's overlap with it. Yeah. That's all I saw when he when he did. You saw the the videos from the rally, right? Yep. It it was the first way was everyone going like, "Holy shit!" Like, what the fuck is going yeah. on with this guy? Like, mocking it because it was mockable. And then the second insane. wave was everyone saying, "Don't you dare say that! You can't make fun of him because we think he's mentally ill." Do you think that? you should be able to still make fun of the guy. I think the reason I liked that clip is because it shows that like mental health, mental health is so not black and white, right? Like it's not just you're you're a victim and untouchable. It's a combination of your dealt a tough hand of cards and you need to figure out how to manage that hand of cards throughout your life and make some decisions that are going to affect it one way or another. And that's what happens. Then don't, expect people not to react to it and when you factor in factor in the fact that he's 
and the spotlight that he's in, I think that also factors in too, because if you're going to go out there and you're just going to say crazy ass shit, you cannot expect zero blowback from that. You can't, yeah, you can't expect everyone to say, okay, well, I mean, he's bipolar and exactly. You know, let's hope he gets help. It's like, that's yeah. just not a human reaction. If you don't want that reaction, do your best to curb it. Hold it that's back. That's why I don't, saw... Or don't post everything. Like in these, I mean, obviously, I know he didn't post that video of the Harry Tubman thing, but, but still... he like, did it publicly but, but, and no, knew no, he he, did. the video he, was he going out. He put himself in a position, again, like I said, the spotlight. He put himself in the spotlight, and the opportunity was there to, you know, for people to have an opinion about what he said. And it was a pretty consistent opinion. Like, you're fucking out of your mind with that comment so yeah Yeah. you shouldn't you shouldn't get immunity yeah right so and that's why like i sent you the um that tweet from that uh, singer disgusting yeah like because that's what that's what they do that's what all the blue check marks do is they they rush to to defend and virtue signal and and also just say like hey don't forget about me too like i have mental illness it's just it's, like, it's so bad. You are so fucking transparent, predictable. Yeah. It just makes me want to vomit. It, it and that's why I like that podcast because I don't think they defended him or tried to persecute him, but they talked about openly what might be going on in his head. Yeah, and just kind of like threw the facts out there. And honestly, dude, like if you were to put me in that situation as Kanye, I can see why it's a very difficult situation to manage. Like that's a notorious thing for people with bipolar is they take themselves off their meds because they feel too good. They feel they don't think they need them. And then the spiral spirals out of control. This is the uh, the last and longer of the the cuts. So imagine the discipline that it must take. Yeah. That, that every time you start to feel good, you go, uh-oh, did I take my meds? I got to take my meds. And it's specifically Sad. called a mood stabilizer. So, like, if I took Allegra for allergies and I started sneezing more, I'd be like, I feel worse for the exact thing it's supposed to help. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. I'm not taking these meds. Mm-hmm. Here is a medicine that's supposed to make my emotions more stable, my mood more stable, make me more emotionally healthy, but I feel emotionally less healthy. Fuck the meds. And imagine this. Imagine you worked at... UPS or something like that, right? Where you don't rely on your feelings in order to do the job effectively, right? Yeah. You could maybe take that. Yeah. That's understandable. Now imagine you work in a field where your feelings drive your creativity and your art. (laughs) You need to feel excited and inspired in order to create. Yeah. And this pill removes the fucking furnace that warms up the creative place in the your mind. The inverse is also true. You can feel really sad and depressed and put out beautiful music. Feel. You just need to feel. And, the, and that won't let you feel because you can't get a manic low either because the manic low is scary because you might kill yourself, whatever. Yeah. Manic high is scary because you feel like I'm invincible. But it'll stabilize. It'll take away the manic low. I can't even put out like fucking Nirvana or whatever these Imagine neutral music. Kid Cudi ain't a star with neutral music. Exactly. Nobody wants to listen to neutral, right? We're down to listen to some shit that's super sad. We're down to listen to some shit that's super happy. Yeah. But that middle ground, like, nobody wants to listen to Adele's song if it's like, hello? Oh, okay. It's reasonable you're not there. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. You know, call me a message. Yeah, call me back whenever it works for you. That's why. Yeah, we don't want that. Give us the fucking extremes. Give yeah. us the feels. These guys are hilarious. Not gonna try to defend them there, dude. I don't listen to their podcast regularly. <laughs> no, I, I um, on YouTube. So I, I like my my thing with that. My issue with that statement is like, yeah, I I totally agree. Right, we just said like if if I were a creative person, if I were an artist, if I were a musician, if I needed 
to succeed like my crazy emotions, I probably wouldn't take that drug. But yeah. this is, we've gotten to the point where he's like screaming, crying in public about like almost aborting his daughter. He's uh, saying that shit about Harriet Tubman. He's tweeting about like divorce and like these personal issues. Like, okay, man, well, those extremes probably aren't great then. Like not everybody's extremes are like this fucking awesome creative experience. They're clearly fucking brutal or they make you go fucking insane like Kanye did in those videos and those tweets. But he's feeling himself enough to think he can be president of the fucking United States of America. And look, all I mean, all power to him. I would never tell someone to take or not take a drug. I mean, I don't give a fuck at all. But like, don't try to pretend like those people are, uh, you know, adverse to criticism. Like totally agree. So, like totally they, agree. You can't really wear that as a shield, dude. You just gotta own it. Everything's a shield these days, man. I know. It's just annoying. Um, and so Unless you're a white male. No shields for white males. Let's bring those back. <laughs> Um, so did you guys listen at all to that AOC sound that I sound? No, I, I, I listened to the whole thing. I couldn't. Okay. So, I, and this stems from my, uh, theme of Con- the Kanye discussion around like, not everything's a shield, not everything's everyone's problem. Like it's okay to be like, people are going to be mean. That's just life. And I just think sh- people like her create are trying to create this sense of the world's going to be perfect the world's going to be nice to you if it's not you demand that it is you know what i mean and it was just i don't even know how i fucking saw it i just i found it and well, started listening to I it i heard it about like, it because it started going viral oh i saw it on the, the news app yeah, that's where it, i saw it is this this was the speech for women's rights of our generation according Which to social media insane So this is her describing the scene. About two days ago, I was walking up the steps of the Capitol when Representative Yoho um, suddenly turned a corner um, and he was accompanied by Representative Roger Williams and accosted me on the steps right here in front of our nation's Capitol. Listen to how fucking theatrical she is about She knows what she's doing. She's very good on camera, on a mic. Yeah, I was minding my own business, walking up um, the steps, and Representative Yoho put his finger in my face. He called me disgusting. He called me crazy. He called me out of my mind. Um, And he called me dangerous. And then he took a few more steps, and after I had recognized his, uh, after I had recognized his, his comments as rude, He walked away and said, I'm rude. You're calling me rude. I took a few steps ahead and I walked inside and cast my vote Um, because my constituents send me here each and every day to fight for them. You're a fucking hero. And to make sure that they are able to keep a roof over their head, that they're able to feed their families, and that they're able to carry their lives with dignity. Thank God for you. I walked back out and there were reporters in the front of the Capitol and in front of reporters, Representative Yoho called me and I quote, a fucking bitch. (gasps) Wow. 
Oh my fucking God. Unbelievable. And I just want to be clear. You know for a fact we would be ripping a, a, a man if he said this. It has nothing to do with her being a woman. If a, a man got up in front of Congress and spent the government's time talking about how p- someone said mean things to him, we would be playing these same exact clips. That, that, no, it's, just, be- it's, it's just AOC being AOC. It's not the fact that she's a woman. Yeah, I'll just say, Jared, this is just this is why, at least in my opinion, maybe you guys agree. I don't know. This is why lots of people cannot stand her, because it seems like almost every time, like nine out of ten times, when she's in front of a mic, it's the same. Not obviously people calling her a fucking bitch and stuff, but just the whole. She has to. She has to remind you she's a woman. She has to remind you that she's a minority. She has to remind you every every I don't think time she said she woman or minority in that first part all right well eight out of ten times then she is she's all right not that time (laughs) jared but didn't you say it was the civil rights it was like the woman's speech like that's that i that's what i read the article that's what they said she she she, did did you did you read the did you watch the whole video no she references about a thousand i have encountered this type of harassment riding the subway in new york city this is not new and that is the problem. Mr. Yoho was not alone. He was walking shoulder to shoulder with Representative Roger Williams. And that's when we start to see that this issue is not about one incident. It is cultural. It is a culture of lack of impunity, of accepting of violence and violent language against women, and an entire structure of power that supports that. Because not only have I been spoken to disrespectfully, particularly by members of the Republican Party and elected officials in the Republican Party. So, I mean, she, she got there. She's, she's, she's not, uh, she's not, you know, tiptoeing. Dehumanizing around. language is not new. And what we are seeing is that incidents like these are happening in a pattern. This is a pattern. Of, of an attitude of towards women and dehumanization of others. Dehumanization of others. So as I he said, he called you a bitch, lady. Again, you, it was a civil rights speech for women. The whole thing. It, it was. It was very hard to listen to. The whole thing. I, I'm like, surprised. How I are you thing. setting an example for women that every time someone calls you a mean name, that you, like, essentially lose it? Lose it to the point where she's up here making a speech in front of fucking Congress because she can't stand by. And Representative Yoho decided to come to the floor of the House of Representatives and make excuses for his behavior. And that I could not let go. I could not allow my nieces. I could not allow the little girls that I go home to. I could not allow victims of verbal abuse and worse to see that, to see that excuse and to see our Congress accept it as legitimate. (laughs) So so Uh, let let me chime in with my thoughts on AOC. And I think this um, press conference, whatever you want to call it, it just, nails it perfectly with how I've always felt about her. 
there's nothing she says from a facts perspective, not talking math and policy from a cards on the table perspective. That's wrong. He should not have called her a fucking bitch. Of in course front of these people. not. But let, let me, let me finish that, my yeah. sentence. Let me finish my sentence. I'll and, hurry the fuck up. <laughs> now I'm going to slow down. <laughs> but <laughs> and it's the same with everything else that she talks about. She always at first has good intentions. And I agree with the first original point she's trying to make and then takes it way, 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 way too far. And it becomes about being a victim. Her comments, did you guys ever see the press conference or the Congress speech she made about if the Republicans were to have Jesus Christ come in um, and speak, they would consider him extreme, like an extreme liberal lunatic or something like that? Did you guys ever see that? I just asked you a question. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I I didn't know. I didn't see that. So it was, it was the same deal. She made a great point of you fucks on the right. All you talk about is God and Jesus and all that. But if you were to have Jesus standing here in front of you saying the same words in the Bible that treat humans fairly, blah, 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 blah. You'd say he's extreme. And the point was spot on, but just like this, she took it way too fucking far. And that's what she does with absolutely everything. Which is why lots of people cannot stand her. I like her more than I don't like her because I think she's the only politician with guts, despite her theatrics, to say what I think is the unpopular opinion, but the opinion of her delegates. And the opinion of the masses. What? It's not the opinion of the masses, in my opinion. I don't think it's the opinion of the masses. You think the the opinion of the masses is that we're. there's a, a problem with dehumanizing women? No, well, so that, that, that's my point exactly. That's not the opinion of the masses. The opinion of the masses is you cannot call somebody a fucking bitch and. It's treat not that you cannot, like, it's just that you, you shouldn't. Should not. That, that's, that's my point. That's the point I agree with. The theatrics afterwards, I do not agree with. Right, but Jared, the point took her uh, uh, 0.75 seconds to, to utter. I'm not defending the speech. I told you, I didn't even want to listen to the speech. That's why I didn't before. I How do you like you her more than you don't? If the, because no, she, she spent 50, dude, that fucking, I spent forever that was listening to that and cutting it up. And it was, it, she went on and on and on and on about someone calling her a name. She didn't use the words I would have chosen, but I. Would totally- you, you think that's a legitimate fucking thing to bring up in front of Congress? That someone called you a name outside. Did you, do you think that was worth taking like 10 to 15 minutes of the, of the floor at, at Congress to actually discuss that? If she had a point that wasn't he dehumanized, yeah. What would I, be I think, the point? Well, yeah. If, if, she, if she ties that to a point of woman being treated fairly in the workplace in a sensible what manner. What does that have to do with a, it? Because she's in her workplace. But it's, he didn't say it because she's a woman. Harassed. He says it because they disagree and they don't like each other. He doesn't say that to anybody else. How do you know? That's what I I'm don't. saying. This guy but. could be saying that to, he could say fuck off to, you know, every Democrat that walks up the Capitol Hill steps. But it's not the same thing. If we call it's a not dude the an asshole, not- if, we, if we call a dude an asshole in the office, he is not offended. If you call a woman a bitch in the office, she's incredibly offended. It's not the same thing because of the reality of the situation, whatever that may be. It, it, right. It's just that yeah, she I agree with that part. cares more about it. So she feels it's a legitimate. And, and again, she makes it's, it. It's I had something that personally affected me. I was 
really offended by it. And I, now it needs to be everyone's problem. Now we need to accept that everyone deals with verbal abuse and anyone that deals with verbal abuse shouldn't ever have to deal with it. And, you know, there, there's just terrible people in the world. I agree with you. Ultimately, right, she says things that, you know, like, yeah, of course, in a fucking perfect world, who wouldn't agree with you, AOC, that no one should have to be verbally abused? No that fucking works. shit, yeah. Sherlock. Who the fuck wouldn't say that? But is that reality? Would, would, is that, does it even, does it mean a goddamn thing when you say that? That's my point. No. Again, I, I think with all the theatrics, like Jared said, I think you, I, you make a great point there. When you just listen, if you're not really listening, like, like intensely to what she's actually saying and you get caught up in the theatrics, that's the reaction that people are going to have. Like, oh my God, what a, a titan of, a lunatic. you know, it, well, no, but I, I think, I think we would think that, but some yeah. other, most other people, especially, you know, the, the Twitter mob that we reference so much are like giving her a fucking standing ovation because of the theatrics, because she knows what she's doing. Like, like you said, she's great. She has a great way with words. I'll give her that. She's great at speaking. She's great at making speeches in general. She's, uh, she, she plays to the people, like you said, the delegates that she, she supports. And I would say that she's very popular amongst the mob. So she's I just think not she rational a, for me. She's not, but, like, she's but her theatrics play into that whole thing. And if you just kind of casually listen to that speech, you're like, she's fucking right. That was fucking amazing. Yeah. I need some only, kind of rationality, right? I, I'm not saying I would ever vote for AOC for any serious position of authority or anything like that. I probably would not. But the reason I always have a small bit of, I don't think empathy would be the word, but a small bit of favoritism towards populists is they're the only people who aren't afraid to say, fuck the establishment in politics. And yes, the way that women are treated in Congress may be one one millionth of one percent of the establishment but all the other shit she talks about is pretty spot on with fuck the establishment you guys are the problem nobody here is trying to actually help anybody yeah and that's nobody, why should, nobody just, knows how to say that in a constructive way everyone that says fuck the I establishment agree. is tear down what make everything that has made this country and, what and, it is. and that that's why i don't consider myself a far left extremist by any means yeah. i don't even consider myself that liberal but they're at least willing to acknowledge the establishment. You were liberal. Corrupt. Like three months ago, four months ago, you were liberal. I don't know if I would say I was liberal. I, there was a lot that Bernie stood for Adam, that, I, that I really Adam and I were texting. He called you a fascist in, in the text thread. He thinks mm. that's how far you've gone to the other end. We've talked about it. I'd say I'm... And we, and we get another thing we got to remember too that she's a, she's a Bernie disciple. Like she's in the democratic socialist category you know, she's right there with Bernie. So we have to remember, like, like you said, like taking down the establishment, changing everything up. That sounds like Bernie. And I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying that that was like, she even cited him as being kind of like her political mentor early on. Yeah. Yeah. So like she, it, it definitely makes sense that she is constantly trying to, you know, switch things up with the establishment because that's kind of where she gets her ideas from in the same in the light I, I just of Bernie. Think- People who don't realize that the establishment is 100% driven by money and doesn't give a fuck about its constituents, it's just they're getting the sheep pulled over their eyes so bad that they're getting fucked in the ass and think that they're enjoying it. Like, I don't know if that was the right analogy to use, but <laughs> I like, love it though. I, I think even like all the shit going on now with new stimulus. I'm kind of retarded. 
but like it's these people do not give well a fuck said. about anything but their own corporate <laughs> interests and i anybody who's willing to say fuck you to people like that i have a spot in my heart for them and she's definitely not afraid to say that but, I'll, I'll give her yeah. that she, she's got balls she's definitely got balls hey, i'm not I, hey not saying it, i agree it with everything take she says any yeah, less amount of balls to say what she says no no i, I just mean her then why track do, why record. Does, why does her anybody else call out the establishment other than maybe three or four people? In because that's not productive. That's why. There's a reason why a small, vast minority want to yell and scream about the establishment like her. Because you, you, don't think of, it's, you don't think it's productive to actually, as a congressperson, your job is to give what your constituents want. Give me an example of something that she propagates that is a, a productive way of saying... Uh, fuck the establishment. I never said she was productive in give any me an way exa- Give me one example of what she's done or what she stands for that is a productive way of saying I think the only the sense that it was productive is it has brought awareness that before... Specifically about the establishment, what has she said? I think she's taken most of her sound bites from Bernie that have talked about like healthcare costs and the healthcare companies being the reason we don't have healthcare for everybody and why it's so damn expensive and being for profit, like things like that. So she's kind of taking his sound. If she had a platform, it would literally like mirror Bernie's almost identically, like in so many ways. So that's why nobody talked. I mean, because that's not a successful way to, I mean, there, I, I guess maybe there's ways we can change it. I don't fucking know, but I mean, there's also a way it's been the way it's been. For this amount of time. Like, there's also a reason, and to Ty's point, I think there's also a reason why people are scared, get, get kind of frightened with, when, when Bernie would bring up a lot of these things in the last couple of, of elections or, or, you know, in, in the primaries and stuff. I think the, the radicalness of what he's saying, it may not be super radical, relatively speaking, like, you know, with the, you know, globally, but it is radical for this country. And I, I, I don't disagree with you, Jared, about mixing it up, but I just think it's going to take a lot to actually make a significant impact as far as changing the establishment. And because of that, I think there are less people that give it the time of day. Yeah, and and well, I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying that's, hey, that's I, probably I, I why. I totally agree. I'm not an AOC cheerleader by any means. No, I, I, don't, that, I don't think you are. I, I wouldn't even say that that's like a fuck the establishment thing about healthcare. So, That's so not a good example. Of the, that. The, the, the point I was going to make is people forget any type of state representative. So congressperson or senator, their job is to represent the people who vote for them to get what they want. There is no correlation between what people in Congress actually do and what their people want. There's nothing in Congress that protects corporate interests. That's all Congress is. Why do you think we don't pass anything to actually get renewable energy? Because the fucking oil companies have these companies bought. Like the, the whole health insurance thing. Okay, but at the same time, those oil companies would lose a shit ton of money with regards that's, to. That's, that's fine. And, and, and you're going to cost people jobs. And are you going to stand in front of that family and say, that's fine? Yeah, because if we don't have a fucking planet in 50 years, it's not worth it. So you're okay with telling those people, fuck off, you don't have a job anymore. That's not how the it government- works. You don't just disappear jobs like that but the fact that we don't you even do, have any where do jobs come have, from money hear me out we, we don't even have <laughs> any effort to address i think if you were to rank the things people care most about as serious issues we don't address any of them we don't even try and address them because they don't have any actual interest in doing what their constituents want no they want to stay not, in power I, I think it, and I, do favors I, for corporate interests 
I, I can't really disagree with any of those statements there, but you know, there's a reason why those things don't get passed or addressed. I think they do get addressed. I don't think they get passed because I think there's consequences and you have to deal with those consequences. And that's how you get people to vote. Why are people in the Midwest, people that have those manufacturing oil and gas, right? Industrial type jobs that may be impacted by democratic uh, legislation that may pass or that may try to pass, why would they ever vote for any of them? Why would they vote for anything that's going to potentially take income away from their family? So th that's a polarizing topic, whether it should be or not um, climate change. But I think like NAFTA. NAFTA allowed us to trade and with other countries and manufacture stuff outside the U.S. That's what moved all the jobs out of America. NAFTA was to give companies and corporations more access to profit and revenue. It had nothing to do with protecting jobs or anything that was going to help anybody in America. Like that, that's an example. I, I guarantee you every single I, what, what's person. What's AOC's take on NAFTA? She knows it's bad. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, so she's not fuck the establishment, dude. She's just like everyone fucking else. She's just more radical. Yeah, but I I I, agree I do disagree. I agree I do agree. You haven't it, given me so one good example of how she's. I don't study AOC's fucking policy. How do you know she? How do you know she's fucked the establishment? You said I like her more than I don't like her. What do you like about her? Exactly what I said. She says what she actually thinks. She's not bought how by the corporations. Fuck do you know she's, dude, dude. Oh, all right, all right. Well, she, can, we, she, we we could spend all night on this, on this. I'm sure. I'm sure. She ran against the establishment with grassroots donors to get her into power. There's a reason Sasha didn't want her there. And you think that's because she's that good of a person that she cares for everybody and wants if all these I were radical a politician, policies? That's exactly what I would try and do. I would try and be a politician to make people's lives better. The same way a good leader in a company or leader as a manager okay and how does tries to make their players better. How, how how does the uh climate crisis make your constituents that are on earth right now how does it make their life better because we won't have a fucking planet if we don't address it dude uh, okay but you, who's you just said so you think the people of new york are calling to her to address climate change or do you think I that's think just I, if I were to vote for a congressperson right now for my district, I would 100% want them to address climate change, yes, as one of their agenda topics. And if you knew, let's just say hypothetical, if you knew that your job was no longer to or your corporation was going to be affected that you work for and you knew it was going to take money out of the bottom line and you know what happens when the bottom line's affected, people get cut and you're, on the bot you're a working class, middle class citizen of New York – how do you feel about that? I mean, it's a tough choice, right? But like, there's, it's not black it's and not white. It's not a tough like choice that. for anyone. Why would you want to give up your job to... Because it's not black and white. It's not all jobs disappear and no new jobs come up when we're inventing new green technology. You know, you know like how that. it works in corporate America better than anyone. You know as soon as they lose a dime, who's going? It's not profits. It's not, it's not no, the uh, that's, that's CEO's not I, salary. I, I get it. Would I it's, want to be in an oil company? Absolutely not. I, I just think you need to consider the other side of the coin. I do. And to me, and obviously like I'm one person, but 
the fate of our planet is more important than jobs, than a specific amount of jobs and corporate profit in oil and gas. Dude, oh, I, why, why does it matter if we, our planet literally can't grow life on it in 100 years? Well, that's not That's reality, I don't know though. enough about it to say that it is, is or isn't real, but there will be serious consequences if we don't address climate change. I, I'm pretty sure we'll be around for more than 100 years. And I, and I, but, but I'm going to say here, but because uh, we have to say this, I agree with you. I, would, I want, like when we talk about ideal candidates, I say, and I'll argue with Rob, that, dude, Republicans need to drop the shit with the social issues, gay marriage, LGBTQ rights, stuff like that, and climate change, pretending it's not real. That needs to stop for them yep. to have a legitimate candidate yeah. to move forward. I, but again, that, that's kind of me coming all the way back to, I don't think AOC is fuck the establishment. I don't think that's like a, a fuck the establishment thing. She's definitely not pro-establishment. We'll the establishment isn't just oil and gas. and The establishment is money and politics. It's bought and interests. Yeah. It's any, anywhere that is bought interests. And how, do, how, how is AOC going to fix that? One person doesn't fix it, but you need other people who don't have bought interests in, I'm not saying I need everybody to agree, but I want people actually fighting for what their constituents want and the outcome of Congress to be the majority of what constituents want, not only what corporations want, which is what it is now. Okay. Adam, any, any, any last thoughts? I wanted to let you guys just keep going there. It was pretty interesting to watch. I mean, fired up. I don't like them putting chemicals in the water that turn the friggin' frogs gay. I will <laughs> say that That's what Mo sounds like. No matter I guess here's my closing thought. No matter what no matter what we say about like like Bernie and how he spoke to so many people because I'll eat your ass. I will. All right, Ty. <laughs> He spoke to a lot of people initially when he came you into the forefront of politics. Up my neighbor, I'm going to haul him up by a chain and chop his ass up. I'll do it. My children aren't going hungry. I will eat your ass. <laughs> That's why I want the globalists to know. I will eat your ass first. You may have to split up the uh, sound bites, Jared. But um, pretty much what, what I'm that, saying what that, is. What does that mean? That we should split the responsibilities of sound bites, and there's too many sound bites you got. Oh, I, were those I'm all Alex? Were those day. all Alex Jones? They were. Oh my goodness, Mo's upset. We're we're. But anyway, getting in the way of the discourse again. Closing thoughts for me, at least, because you guys obviously had your spiel. And I thought it was really good. I was I was it was nice to have a front row seat to that. But I, what I will say, and this is kind of in the middle with everything, when Bernie came to the forefront initially. He spoke to a lot of people that felt they hadn't been represented because of his radical, and I'm using air quotes, radical thoughts that are different than, as Mo puts it, the establishment, like the way the status quo has been in this country for a while. And I think AOC is cut from that. Well, I don't think she is cut from that same cloth. So I think in ter relatively speaking, maybe not exactly like, I, 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 know, I know when you hear fuck the establishment, I know it sounds like super just an upheaval of everything that, that we know that we have known for the last 100, 200 years in this country is just going to be flipped over on its other side and we're going to see something totally different. That's obviously not realistic and I don't think that would ever happen in any one, of, in any one or two presidential terms. 
But I will say that their ideas are just a lot different. And I think that that's why we say like, fuck the establishment. It's something different. And they're focusing on things that the current establishment doesn't tend to focus on for better or worse. Like, you know, may, maybe there's things that Bernie wants to focus on. And I'm not, I honestly haven't looked at Bernie shit in a while. So I'm not going to sit here and act like I know all of his policies and stuff like that. But I would imagine that the things that he, not everything he wants to focus on is necessarily like brand new and exciting and radical. No, but at the same been a time, topic for, Oh, it's always going to be a topic. There's a reason why it's the same, like three or four main topics that these, all these yeah. candidates say they're going to address. And do they ever really address it in a, in a significant way? Never. Because of the establishment. Because this, or, and I think part of that too, I think when you think about, you know, um, you know, if you think back to FDR, when he literally was going to be elected for, he, he was going to be a president for four straight terms until he passed away. And they obviously made an amendment that, that wouldn't allow that anymore. But don't you think in a way, I know it goes against everything our country is built on, but don't you think there's a possibility if, that, if the right person were to get into office and they spent more than two terms in office, do you think some of these issues that we constantly bring up every single four years might actually get fixed. And I don't know the answer to that. I'm just, I'm wondering, and I know it flies in the face of why this country was founded in terms of, and also in terms of how the government is structured. But it's just something I've thought about before. Like what if somebody could be like an FDR and stay in office for that long and have more impact and be able to actually see a lot of their policies go forward and come to light and maybe they don't work out but and maybe, and maybe they do but four years it, with, with with how hard it is to get think to get anything done in congress four years is such a short minute amount of time to to get anything done that's dramatic and can actually make an impact on the individuals like us three yeah because like in the I'll end oh sorry jared go I'm not for a president being able to make drastic changes to a country in four years. I like the system we have of checks and balances. Oh, no, no, I I do too. I'm just saying I I wonder, like, certain things that, like, what if Bernie got elected and he was only here for four years? Can you really make that much of an impact in four years? Probably not. And I agree. Because if you get the wrong person in power and you can't get him out, then we're fucked. Okay? And I understand that that's a huge risk. But I just think I wonder, like, what if? What if we did get that ideal, perfect candidate? that actually was here to make the lives of, of their constituents better, the people who actually voted for them. And they had more time than just the four to eight years to do so. Just a thought. And there we good, go. I'm done. Good, good segment. Oof. Yeah, that was good guys. Oof. Get my blood, blood boiling, dude. I'll tuck it up. It's funny. We went from, <laughs> we went from AOC out, you mean? being tuck told by a reporter that she was called a bitch. And we went all the way to climate change. And I, and I mean, not that that's a drastic thing. As only this podcast can. Only. Somewhere Just in the middle. Jump in everywhere. I loved it. That was Maybe great. Maybe get a time check on Adam's um, how much. There is no way in hell I have talked more than anybody in here. I have been quiet the second half. You've definitely been way like quieter than last minutes. time today. Dude, you just went on a 10-minute There's monologue. no way, dude. You're full of shit. You're not timing shit. Of course I'm not, you fucking exactly. idiot. Exactly. That's knew, hilarious. I fucking knew you weren't. I thought Zoom could getting... really tell who is talking for a certain amount of time. No, oh. I had no fucking idea. I was going to say, like, because the you times didn't You fucking believed me the whole sense. time. I did it. Initially, I'm like, oh, maybe they're... No, I believed your timing when you said that you actually timed me. I did. I'm, I'm sure you didn't actually time me initially. 
I did believe that at first, but the more I thought, I was like, I don't know how this makes any sense. I didn't just talk for 30 minutes <laughs> when we had only had the podcast on for like 45. So that's when I had a little red flag, but whatever. I will try to curb my thoughts for the sake of somewhere in the middle. Thank you for your thoughts on you curbing your thoughts. <laughs> and there will be many more thoughts to come on me curbing my thoughts. Next, on somewhere in the middle, <laughs> thoughts. Thoughts. Speaking of thoughts, Speaking you ready of for thoughts. most yeah. thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Let's do it. All right. So for a format for most thoughts, I was thinking about this earlier today. So I'll give an update on what's going on in Mo's life. Not you already told that. us this, dude. No, gave us well, this that, whole thing. Nah, last time my shit was kind of stupid. I know, but you opened up with saying, all right, here are my thoughts on Mo's thoughts. Here's how it's going to go. <laughs> it's going to be... Hey, we talk a lot about thoughts a little on bit thoughts. About, <laughs> a lot of thoughts. <laughs> it's going to be a little bit about, you know, Mo's experiences, my life, and things that happen to me. And then it'll also be part, like, just crazy introspective thoughts. Is that what you're going to say? So it's evolved since then. Oh, okay. So uh, Mo's life, Mo's thoughts. That's what it's going to be. So I'll talk about my life and then I'll talk about a topic that's deep. All right. Hurry up. All right. So I've not secured a date yet. First update. <laughs> I know. Disappointing. We should have put a bet on this. So there could be like some kind of punishment if you didn't actually get there. I, I, won't, I won't make excuscuses. I'm still working on it. But I do want to talk about my dating life and how it's changed in seven days. Because <laughs> it is changed for a one Yeah. So oh, the, ana God. the analogy I would make is a grandparent who survived the Great Depression and then had a job and started hoarding shit in their basement and house, not knowing if they would ever need it. So that's kind of what's happened to me with Hinge, because I literally didn't see anybody better than a three for three years and never got matches. And now I'm currently trying to juggle, let's see the latest number of conversations at one time. And I think I've bit off more than I can chew. Hey, it's, not, it's numbers, baby. Quantity, not quality right now. I, I currently have 18 open conversations. Let's go. That, that just sounds overwhelming. It's incredibly overwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. You're going you're gonna to start like, morphing conversations into Dude, each other. I don't other. remember who's who. I don't remember anything <laughs> about anybody. So I, um, I think my first week back in the game, I got a little carried away. I think it's going to be more. Uh, let That's me you pick. though. You get out of a fast star, you get real, real excited. And then you'd start to tuck her out. I was going to say, yeah, yeah you got to so, pace so I, I yourself. Think, I think the pace move yourself. is to try and take this funnel 18 and get it down to about like five real conversations. <laughs> My opportunity funnel needs to drive down. I need to drive some to close. Yeah. So, People are talking so to me. I'm going to start those... eliminating some now. <laughs> well, maybe I can cut out the sixes. You know what I mean? I was just pumped to see anybody better than a three. I was swiping right on <laughs> So would you say that of those 18, you can find five that are seven and above? I would say seven and above. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Dude, like, if you can get I, a I, six it, to go on a date, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. No, no, I mean, I'm not saying there's, there's anything, anything wrong with, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with sixes. I'm saying if I need to cut from 18 to five, I got to do it somehow. We are cool with the six. I know, but everyone. you should leave a six or two kind of to have in, in the hip pocket. Yeah. Sure. Uh, sure. Start I'm, I'm not ex yeah. I'm not expecting, hey, I'm not matching with tens. I'm not giving myself that much credit. <laughs> <laughs> Sevens and eights probably. Well, you um, said last week that if you were a girl, you would see yourself as a 10. 
No, Adam said, you said you didn't see yourself. I say, I, no, I, you, you also said that. You're like, no, actually, yeah, you're right. Like, if I looked at myself as a, from a woman's perspective, oh, you did yeah, say I'm that. a 10. You're right. You did Not say that. Not on a dating app, I think I'm a 10. A dating app, I think I'm like 6.5. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so definitely bit off more than I can chew. Been enjoying it, though. So looking forward to seriously setting up some dates for the next week or so and having many, good conversations. Uh, how many dick pics sent so far? So on that topic, oh I, my god! So I took a screenshot of this. I, this, I no, dude, do not show us your dick. This is not my dick. No, <laughs> this is not my dick. Keep the dicks off the podcast. Um, let me pull up my photos. So this is somebody. I, I, I've also been dabbling a little, little bit. That's gonna be one I have to in, cut up on oh, in Tinder awesome. and Bumble. So, so, the, so the eighteen is actually light. I've got Tinder and Bumble combos going on too. So this was a chick I met on Bumble last Friday. Swiped. Oh, I don't have her picture. Actually, I'll show you her picture. I can pull up the app. I want to get your thoughts on her picture first. Jared, before you show us, what would you rate her based on her picture? I would say 7.5. Okay. Yeah, 7.5. Before we look. The one one on the right, right? It's the older one. (laughs) (laughs) So you've got, so this is her, like, looks pretty normal, like, H-R-I-G-E, pretty normal looking lady. 32, dude, you're going for the older crowd, huh? Like, yeah, she's cute, so I match. And then I look at her profile, because she was answering me, like, one-word answers. I was like, this is weird. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you her profile. Recently single, not looking for anything serious, winky face. Don't be oh. shy. Just looking for mutual fun, not small talk, don't bore me. Not bad so far. Let's see what you got, devil horns. I do love a man who shows off, wink face. How would you wake me up in the morning, question mark? Favorite position, question mark, ever tag teamed? Yeah. This is a bot. There's no way this is real. Nobody would actually put that. That is a bot. Yeah. Maybe it is. They they answered my, like, first two or three questions. I'm sure they did. (laughs) I hope she wasn't in your top five. No, was, the conversation was, didn't go in. Let me, there's let me some finish fucking the guy in his basement, dude. <laughs> let, me, let me finish the profile. So, ever tag teamed, favorite place to finish, question mark. Uniforms are always a plus and love a man with toys. Always down to trade vids. Kick is easy. How did you think this was real? I mean, dude, I think there's people really that horny on Tinder. Just like these Not ones that work at GE and look like her not that she's smoking hot but she's a good looking girl looks perfectly normal she is not like that okay agreed the conversation did not go far <laughs> after her one word answers i was kind of like all right i'm not into toys and dressing up and shit like that so i cut well, it off i'm glad that uh i'm glad you didn't go any further with that but yeah i didn't think she was a bot i thought she was just a total kink shop just a As sex demon. They come. not my taste anyways i'm not into shit that weird DPs and fucking toys and <laughs> costumes, not my style. I can see you with one of those you almost, in your mouth. You almost sent her your dick, Jared. <laughs> Think about that. No, I, I you almost I, sent a dick pic. If, if she would have offered up nude videos and the conversation videos. went there. How about new, not, not, not just nude pics? You need well, the videos? Six too, but she mentioned like videos in her profile. <laughs> <laughs> if she would have offered up nude, also she would have 100% gotten... Request. Got a dick. Oh I was like, God. holy shit, I fucking hit the jackpot here. Is this, this Dude, fucking, dating is so easy? This is incredible. Right. 
I hope all my hinge girls aren't bots. Uh, oh, no, man. No, no, none, of them, none of them have kinky profiles. Yeah. All right. So continue in most thoughts. Um, so we'll continue to update how my day in life is going. That's going to be part of most life every time. We'll talk about it. Hopefully it gets more interesting as so I figure out some of creative life. Sorry. Yeah. So okay. some creative COVID friendly dates is what I need to come up with over the next couple of days and get some, get some dates going. Yeah. How are you going to have a COVID friendly date? That's a fucking good question. How what, what, you, what are you going to, what does that even mean? What are you going to give her the fucking stiff arm if she goes in to <laughs> get a kiss from me? And it's like, whoa, bitch. Whoa. I wasn't getting at that. I was getting at like even a place to meet up. Like, I bet you most girls aren't down to just go hang in a stranger's house and, like... Of course not, you idiot. You go to an outdoor place yeah. to yeah, grab a so drink. That, so, Jared, there's these things... I mean. There's these places quick, called dude. restaurants. Oh, I'm talking to real two real Casanovas on the no, other fucking no, line no. here. I'm saying you got to do it quick because the summer's going to be over before you know it, homie, and then COVID's still going to be here, and hey, then you're agreed. really not going to have anywhere I'm to all go. In. My funnel's That full. second wave's going to be... Dude, mode. that second wave's almost here, man. You got to act fast. <laughs> all right. Back to business. Agreed. So I'll beat things up. So um, second part of Mo's life is what did Mo eat? And I'm going to talk about one food that blew my fucking mind every week. Okay. So this one, have you guys ever heard of a torta? Yes. Dude, it was one of the best things I've ever had in my life. So it's like a Mexican panini. So this place down the street, actually it was where I send you next to uh, Sura, next to that place. Mm -hmm. So it's French bread. Refried beans on it. I know you're not a refried bean guy, Ty, but then yeah, pulled gross. pork, chorizo, mm. cheese, avocado, chipotle mayo, pressed like a panini. That sounds amazing. It was orgasmic. It was so fucking good. <laughs> it's like, God, I want one for breakfast. It was, oh, it was bomb. so bomb, dude. All I right, so that, that, that was my what Mo ate this week. Um, the other Mo thoughts. So <laughs> Critical thoughts so far, real... That's supposed to be critical. Yeah, I had a different, kidding. I had a different interpretation of what most thoughts would be, but this is still good. This, this isn't is way bad. better than that would. So have been. my last thought is like a serious topic. I want more of the less serious topics. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I want your your real raw thoughts are fascinating with just how normal. All right, as long are. as it's entertaining. It's definitely entertaining. So the um the the other mo thoughts are so I finished my Bourdain book yesterday. Which is wow. good. Yep. Good for you. So powered through it because it was a library rental and I only had till Sunday night before it hey, expired. Still. So I had to had to power through. I'm glad you realized that fifty pages is not that daunting of a task in a week. We'll see if I finish another book in the next five years. You didn't but enjoy it though? I did. I really enjoyed it. It was very good. Um, the reason I'm bringing it up is it got me like totally just hooked on thinking about food. So I started watching Chef's Table. Have you guys ever watched Chef's Table on Netflix? No, nope. I don't think so. Dude, it is literally food porn. It is one of the coolest shows. You got to be a foodie, but so it's, they interview a restaurant owner and like they talk about their entire career of where they started to like opening the restaurant, it's like 4k incredible picture, like done really, really well. And it totally re-inspired me that I need to figure out a way to get into a food business. Oh God. So I'm not quitting my job or anything, but I'm I've making heard this it before. <laughs> You're going to be right. like Adam in the lumber mines once you get into the food industry. He, let, let me finish. Let me finish. I understand. And the whole thing about Kitchen Confidential, the whole book is about how much working in a restaurant blows. So <laughs> it doesn't glorify. I do not want to work in a restaurant. But I've been saying this for a couple of years now. I want to open up a food pop-up as a side hustle. 
and sell food at like farmers markets and shit like that and just get to make bomb food. What would be your focus for the food? I don't know. Whatever speaks to me. <laughs> so just be a, just a revolving door menu like yeah, every day? It, it, it'd be a pop-up. So you'd go do a farmer's market or an event and you could do Mexican one day. And if it goes, sells well, you keep selling Mexican. I don't know. You but, get some rest. Is it going to be sous vide based? Kind of a cook? I think I could be if I practice. I don't cook cool shit because like I try and eat pretty healthy. But if I were to be like try and make something bomb and got a lot of practice, I think I could be a bomb cook. That's what I mean. Like I can't watch those shows anymore because they make me like hungry and I, I just want to eat. Hel- I yeah, need that, to be that's healthy, exactly so what just, happens. And it's always it's like, disappointing it, when you know you can't replicate what's being made in front of you. Yeah, I watched an episode on ramen an episode uh milk um like a bakery in new york and then what the fuck was the other one oh this lady dude this one spoke to me actually i got a note about it on my (laughs) notepad this lady started as a baker making bread and then became a mozzarella maker this woman the way she spoke about making bread and making mozzarella spoke to my soul no lie the talking about the bubbles in the bread, the crevices, the shine, and the amount of passion she had for making these foods and learning how to do it and moving to Italy to figure it out the right way and thousands of hours of practice, like, tickled my dick. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> he, he deleted his hinge off his phone after he watched that. Uh, yeah, oh, I, I don't fucking need this shit. Yeah. I love how but, Jared's descriptions all involve orgasms, porn, and his dick. <laughs> <laughs> literally everything you said so far has involved one of those three my, things. most thoughts with one central theme <laughs> it, involves my dick. it all comes back to the to the bean but her current job is she literally makes fresh mozzarella at a mozzarella bar in an italian restaurant and makes charcuterie for guests at this like little bar around her charcuterie station like, i would dude, eat so much fucking cheese that i would fucking die for days. i die i die how see they were talking about all the different prosciuttos they bring in they're trying 17 month versus 24 month versus 36 month dude it was it was my heaven it was my heaven um so that was chef's table and my a lot of, i actually dreamt about chef's table all night last night while trying to sleep <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was part of most thoughts this week all right do we want to get into the deep topic or do we want to save it for next week it's already 9 10 it's been our i think we know episode. your answer yeah, dude. I'm surprised you haven't yawned yet. I'm going to fucking 7 a.m. call tomorrow, too. <sighs> That's pretty early. Well, All right, I guess you, we're going to see you guys. That. We can do the abbreviated version now, or if you want the full effect. All right, let's do the get, abbreviated get, version because it's fresh. It's fresh. I say, at the very least, just give us a teaser or something. So, so the whole thought. <laughs> it's fresh then, in my head. Let's go. The, yeah, well, the emotion thought. This one's emotion driven. Um, the, the thought is really coming to terms over the last year or so of my personal and corporate life with what we've been told and kind of the, you know, corporate culture we're educated on at work and they kind of get you to believe is a thing is nothing but a veneer. Um, and, and corporate culture is a complete load of bullshit. And it's really just a compilation of people with their own self interest, making decisions that don't give a shit about people at all. And there's no loyalty. And I'm going to give you some examples. And this happened today and it kind of like, it's just, it's another example of just makes you fucking hate everything corporate America stands for. I do. So did you know that he's a fucking national account manager now? (laughs) Yep. So Adam, this guy, if I had to guess, probably been with Schneider 20 years, VP, 
everybody I know liked him. I don't have any reason to believe he wasn't doing a good job. He got a new boss. I asked Matt Mers about it today because I knew I wanted to talk about it. He got a new executive as a boss. They had they didn't agree on things. They saw things differently. He pushed out this guy who had been there 20 years, and he's now a job one level above what Tyler does. And I'm sure someone makes good money and has a good job and all that. But a guy who literally had probably worked 80-hour weeks, traveled the world as an executive, backbreaking work for Schneider, completely pushed aside because somebody's opinion is different than his and that person's opinion is being favored. And, I, and I've just seen that so many times. And just I figured after, he, would, he just sucks at his job. That's not what Matt said. Matt said, like, everybody loved him. It was that new dude, um, the new SVP who came in who, like, wanted to do things differently and get his own influence on the position. So he eliminated Brian West's position, and Brian West sat in limbo for, like, four months until he got this job. Which isn't even really a it's job. super like, shares up. the one account with another fucking person. So. Yeah. So and the only reason I bring it up is I, just, I look back and reflect on if I think of me first starting my job in corporate America – I 100% drank the Kool-Aid of thinking if you work hard, you do the right thing. There's a lot of good people in senior positions who will take care of you and they'll have your back and you can quote unquote make it right. And, and I think over the years, this didn't all happen today, but over the years I've just seen so many decisions that have made me see corporate America is nothing but a collective group of decisions of people who don't know much more than you making that becomes your quote unquote strategy. And I see this all the time. People who have no idea what they're doing, making decisions on strategy and people who are terrible leaders creating a quote unquote culture. And your company at this point is no more than a compilation of those things. And everything that's the culture of what they want you to think literally only exists on posters on the wall and HR meetings. Like none of the things that flexibility at work, this, that like individualism, sense of purpose, employee engagement, like, None of those are even remotely real. So the other you example. You don't think that would depend on your manager? I, I think the overwhelming corporate interests of the, the company and the people making the decisions, like I'll give you another good example. So I, I won't, I don't give a fuck. I'll say his name. So, you know, I've worked with him in many roles before. Great dude, very likable, works hard, does a good job. I like Jamie. No, so he's been in his role since April because his other position got eliminated. They moved into this role kind of without giving him a choice. And he's in how many months has it been since April? May, <laughs> June, July. Give that less, watch again. That should tell you. In less than three months, he's literally getting pushed out of his position by my boss saying, if you don't like improve your performance, that you're not going to be on this team much longer. And this is a guy who's been with the company for. 12 years, I think more than me, 12 years, 10 years, somewhere around there has always had a good track record, always been a performer, climbed the ranks relatively quickly, but because for whatever reason, he doesn't see eye to eye with my current boss and my current boss who didn't train him or anything. He didn't set him up for success. He's at risk of literally being pushed out of a position and fired three months into a new role. And I just think situations like that happen time and time and time again. Yeah. There's no real solution to that though. No, there, there's not. And that's, I'm not saying there is a solution, but it's just, it makes you realize, and maybe it was, you know, being young and idealist early in my career, that these people care about what's good and they care about their employees and all of that. And I think just the more time you spend in corporate America, you realize that none of that is real. People care about their own personal interests 
and that is it. And that's I feel like those, I think both dis- can be true. I agree. There, I as a manager genuinely always cared about people that worked for me. I really did. It's I think it's not like what your employees said. Confidence. Maybe they didn't feel that way, but I, from the bottom of my heart, always have. And I know there's other people like that, but I think there's more people in the executive type positions who don't think that way. And normally it's because they have never felt that way and always wanted to climb the ranks above anything else. And that's how they got where they are. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's never going to fucking change. No, I'm not saying it's going to change, but I, I thought it was just you know, the topic I've thought a lot about um, over the years of just how my demeanor towards corporate America of wanting to always be the best early in my career and doing anything to be perceived as the best to now the way I genuinely look at my career is I want to be very good at my job but I want to have a balance of work-life balance, not being a slave and working 60 hours a week um, and making good money. And that's about it. I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid anymore at this point in my career. There we go. I mean, so obviously you're kind of saying that this corporate culture is, is just, it's ingrained. It's just, it's so odd. It's odds are it's probably not going to change. And I'm asking because I don't, I don't know. I don't know shit well, about I think, corporate I think culture. Ty's point was spot on. The corporate culture is a compilation of other people's attitudes and decisions. And he's right. The people who get to those executive levels, these are people who make, if I had to guess, $300,000, $400,000 a year, like great money, travel the world all the time. They got there because they are the way they are. The take no prisoners mentality, right? You say like it's like a capitalist mentality too. Exactly, it's like exactly just a race to the top. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I get that. Yeah. And it's, I could think, but it's also provided a lot of great opportunity, right. For maybe say the people like, like you said, for example, like you want to be really good at your job. I know you still will take pride in that. So the capitalist, uh, mentality also allows for you to still have a really good job and get paid, you know, uh, a lot of money, you know what I mean? Especially relative to, you know, this country's average income you know, you wouldn't be able to do that without a capitalist mentality because you uh, still beat out a lot of people. You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah, and, at some and point, not... like you said, you don't do the take no prisoners. And eventually, you know, you're like, okay, well, I care more about other things in my fucking life or some people yeah. won't and they'll continue to drive forward. And I'm, I'm all for having that capitalistic mindset. I think you need the cream to rise to the crowd, people who work the hardest. Um, but I guess the illusion I was under before was it was a balance of that and genuinely prioritizing like the care of your people. Yeah. And, sounds like an imbalance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, and I don't think that those are even close you to balance. And, and the other thing was brain for your food. <laughs> so brain for your food. is McDonald's. <laughs> so, so the other example that I thought of, um, so I saw this on LinkedIn today. So you guys familiar with HubSpot, the company at all? Yeah, I mean, only from what you've told me. So like, they're known throughout the industry or any industry as like the best culture in the world, supposedly, right? So their chief HR officer sends a long blog post out on LinkedIn today. And it's like a picture of like a young girl saying, oh, I'm going to miss so-and-so for my team so much. The entire blog post was about this girl being gay on her team and how much she stood up and changed gay rights and LGBTQ rights and did what was right at HubSpot and how that impact will be left on this team and this company forever. And it was the most transparently bullshit blog post I've ever read in my life. Literally the second sentence 
is all the ways that this executive and this lady are different, or this girl is different. And the first thing she says is this girl's queer in like the second sentence of this email. And the, the reason I'm making the point or the blog post, the reason I'm making the point is like that example, if I'm a new employee or somebody who's maybe a little naive, I read that and think this place is awesome. They really, really care about people. The reality why that blog post was written and circulated by an executive on LinkedIn is we want to project that we care about LGBTQ rights and have everybody think that we do for the good publicity. Yeah. And I, I don't think I would have looked at it that way early in my career. I think I was naive and would have genuinely said, wow, they really care about their employees there. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say you got to know that all along. I sipped the Kool-Aid. I was naive. Yeah. Well, that's the same exact thing we talk about with politicians and, and yep. politics is saying one thing just to even like with uh, corporations and statements, like saying one thing and then doing something else completely different. And not yeah. that, that that company is doing something completely different, but they're not doing anything different than the other companies who don't make a statement about it. That That's what today's society is, is one person yeah. makes a statement and everyone else is like, well, fuck, just like Dan's fucking attitude. Well, fuck. Now I have to say something or else yep. I'm going to look like I don't care about it. And then it's just this waterfall effect. Yep. Slippery Adam's, slope. Adam's checked out. Slippery slope. Oh, I'm listening. Um, I think it's all, I think it's all very interesting. I mean, it, it's, it's cool. Cause like, obviously Jared, you, in, in the time that you've been at Schneider and then to open the back at Schneider, I mean, I feel like, you know, I think it's safe to say that you've, you've seen a lot in, in the, in the amount of time that you've, that you've been there as an employee for, for, yeah, for Schneider. So behind, I feel like it's behind the curtain. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, yeah. like, and you've done enough where I think some people who have been there the same amount of time as you may not have had that perspective yet because they haven't done as much, you know, there hasn't been as much diversity in what, what they've done compared to what you've done. So you've no, seen yeah. all, if they don't the realize it, it's just because like. they're not aware. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like, again, eventually if that person is there for another, yeah, if, if they're near, if they're there another four or five years, maybe they start to see it, but because of how different your jobs have been there and how much you've bopped around and also going to Tulip and then coming back, you've seen it just as well as anybody could see it at age 29. So yeah, I think yeah. you have a really good perspective on that. And I definitely understand what you're saying. The only thing I would add is I think like to echo that same point of like how I looked at things eight years ago, whenever I graduated college, seven years ago versus now, like if you would have asked me then I would have thought somebody who's an SVP is the fucking coolest person in the world because they're an SVP then. And I think if, I, how I look at them now is I almost feel bad for them that they're these power hungry people with no family lives, work life balances who care about. Well, nothing. why would you th you know, like that's, yeah. I mean, that's a natural thing. Like why you don't know anything about an SVP before you start working. So yeah. why wouldn't and I just, you have I just remember this? Like, you remember like the early like Intel sessions and stuff at work, like you'd have somebody come up and like, they'd be a good speaker. They would talk about their career, but like, wow, they made it. That's what I look at. They made it right. They must be happy. They make a lot of money. They made it. And now I look at it as genuinely like those people, maybe it's obviously their choice to make the decisions they want, but I think they did life wrong. I think they're clearly not happy. Oh, I don't, I don't think for everybody, right? Yeah, maybe, they're, say, maybe they I, are happy. Maybe they like it's, fucking it's working wrong. hard and yeah, it's all they care about. They don't really agreed. care about having, agreed. we all have different, crazy. I mean, yeah. 
definitely doesn't seem as in, engaging and interesting what you see some other people do where they just work their lives away. But again, some yeah. people are just wired that way. So yeah. we'll have to work on getting uh, an SVP on the podcast at some point. See how that goes. Jared, why don't see you get, get on that? Effort. You got connections at Tulip. Oh, God. Get those fucking scumbags on here. <laughs> you wouldn't be, be able to be politically correct with them. <laughs> no, dude. They're the biggest fucking crooks I ever met. You'd still kiss their ass. No. Still wear their clothes. They still wear their fucking gear. If it's free, it's for me, man. <laughs> All right, Adam, sign us off. Love you guys. No. I love you guys. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>